Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K-Things. All right, and we're back. Episode 80. 80 yep. fucking episodes, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Jerry Rice episode. All right. I'll be glad when we get to 100. That'll be setting a new milestone, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you guys who all tuned in. All right. Let's get this shit started. Let's clap those cheeks. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just how I like it, baby. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right man uh over the weekend uh me and keith watched uh the joker um it's basically the prequel uh to the whole joker story and i'll say this and it's just my opinion i'm not saying that everyone's gonna feel like this but this to me by far was the best fucking joker that i've ever seen like ever and people are going to say, but no, nah, man, but about Heath Ledger. See, you don't know what you're talking about because Heath Ledger had the best Joker movie ever. And I'm be Jack like, Nicholson. Yeah. And I'm just, here's my thing. People, and this is going to sound really fucked up. May they rest in peace, Heath Ledger. But people will call Heath Ledger the best Joker simply because he passed on. So I think when you pass on, your legacy kind of adds this deal. Like it kind of, it kind of like uh, explodes. If Heath Ledger was alive after he made that movie, it would still be considered a great movie, but it kind of amplified that the idea of it being the best Joker after he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I can't take anything away from Heath Ledger because that was a good fucking... He played a great role as Joker, uh, but this one to me was just better. I, I hate to compare art, but fuck, I have to. This shit is better. Um, <laughs> the same as Tupac. Tupac is considered the best rapper ever, but it's mainly because he passed on. Mm-hmm. And that, people are going to take that as disrespect. But there are so many other great artists. I don't want to be stuck on one person. I'm trying to look at it objectively. So um, that's just how I feel. Now, yeah. moving forward, um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix did a great job, amazing mm-hmm. job. Um, what I take, matter of fact, this is what I'll do because I, I kind of have a little more things I want to say, but I'm going to just miss a, a whole bunch of points. Uh, I'll just... We'll get some perspective from Keith what he caught from the movie. Yeah, he was about to go in. I was just listening. Yeah. <laughs> I had to hold back, man. Go ahead, dude. No, nah, I, I agree with you. I think that as far as uh, this one being, I, I won't say whose performance is better. I think Keith Ledger was an amazing actor. Yeah. I think Joaquin Phoenix is also an amazing actor. Um, my perspective is more so aligned with the actual screenplay and movie. Right. Um, this is one of the best uh, DC movies that they've ever uh, actually oh, yeah. put out. Just, just um, you know, we'll get into the actual you know nuggets of the the story and little you know subliminal messages and the themes a little bit later. But right, just from a pure like vision, uh, like visual standpoint, it was a beautiful film. Like you know, just the way the colors popped. Yes. In the film, it, it was just a beautiful film. And, um, you know, they also incorporated like, you know, just colors that that made it feel like I don't know what what uh, what actual era it took place in. I don't know if it was like the, the 70s or the 60s. I would say, I would say 80. The or, 80s. Yeah, um, I would say I'd say late 70s, 80s. OK, because yeah. it was there wasn't a clear indication. Of yeah, what didn't time say frame. exactly which, um, yeah. you know, what uh, actual time. But, yeah, you know, oh, it was certain movies in there where you could have caught it. But um, I wasn't alive when those movies came out. So I right. was just kind of oblivious. But um, I think uh, beforehand, we just have to let everyone know that we actually seen the movie and we're going to talk about specific things in the movie. Right. So if you haven't seen the movie or if you don't want any spoilers, I suggest that. 
you fast forward, you know, about 20, 20, 30 minutes uh, from now. Yeah. You know, pick back up. But I think we're going to do a pretty good job of uh, describing the film and not saying way too much. I don't want to hold back because, you know. Yeah, I I don't think we should. I think that, you know, if you haven't seen a film and you don't want to. Yeah, we got to go learn about. Yeah, uh, you can't really have the discussion without saying. We got to go balls deep, man. Hey. I don't do that myself, <laughs> but <laughs> no. I said you got to go balls deep in there, man. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about vagina. <laughs> <laughs> put your old pelvis in there sometimes. <laughs> nah, but um, <laughs> deeper, like I, I don't, I don't got no more dick. I'm out of dick. What is don't going? Don't be afraid to put it all in there. Be like, you want me to throw my whole back in there? <laughs> Even like, man. All right, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, but um. Go saying just you know just the colors of the movie it was just a beautiful movie overall um just you know just the acting in it um i was talking to my boy dj earlier and we were talking about how we kind of view movies and we we gauge things based on like what we could do and what is not in our tool bag yet and uh he was just saying like when he seen a movie he was like you know sometimes i'll see something i'll be like yeah i could have done that role but he was like, whatever Joaquin Phoenix was doing, like that nigga was in a different mode. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like the upper echelon of acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just like, I, I, could, I can't do that right now. So um, just the acting in it was amazing. The cast, uh, the cast was really good. Even, you know, some of the minor characters, you know, they just played their roles and, uh, you know, didn't do too much, didn't steal the show. But, you know, sometimes when you get these these movies with so many different actors and so many different uh, like a like a whole ensemble, you know, certain certain minor characters can actually like outperform the main character sometimes. Yeah. And that wasn't the case in this movie. Joaquin Phoenix was, you know, had a, obviously the role was written for him. He's the most dynamic character in the movie. But. Um, he he showed up and you know he was he was the head dog in in every scene and every you know facet of the movie he was you know the alpha actor in there so it was it was just dope to to see from a um you know a, an aspiring filmmaker perspective yeah definitely uh um, what I took from the film um was basically that society created the Joker um uh, he was treated horribly by everyone uh, he was a fucking doormat. Like the Joker that we know is this it's completely different in this film. It's the the prequel basically shows of how how nice he tried to be and how much people shitted on him. He was getting jumped by people for no reason. Uh he would be he would dress up as a clown and hold signs for businesses and they would take his sign and run off. Mm-hmm. There was a scene in the film where um some kids take his uh his sign and they run off and then uh the, the his name is Arthur Fleck, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's his real name. But he chased the kids, and then one of them hid around the corner, and then hit him in the fucking head with the sign, and then they beat his ass. That was so, such a dope part because yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Like when he was running, I was like, "Oh, he's going to run into the kids, and they're going to fight." But mm-hmm. it was almost like a jump scare in a scary movie. But yeah, it was like it was you know, that was just like a dope way of uh you know tying that scene in together. Yeah, and and I mean. And it was crazy too. Is not only did he get beat up and he got treated like shit, he got bat stabbed, but not, not even his own mother believed in him. So mm-hmm. all all these things tied in to create this person. Um, yeah. There, there was also um, uh, parts where it showed where every week he would go to this 
like not even really a therapist, but it's some type of therapy he would go to, which was just like it's almost the the equivalent to like a public defender for people mm-hmm. who can't afford a lawyer. Mm-hmm. But he would go to this this freaking ninety nine cent therapist that would yeah, like a government funded yeah, uh, you know social. I think she was like a some sort of social worker. social worker. Mm-hmm. And he would go to her, but he really didn't go for her for the therapy. He mm-hmm. went to her because he got medication. Mm-hmm. And the medication kind of kept him a little bit level-headed, even though he was depressed and stuff and going through things. And he would, like, start laughing and, and uh, whenever he was about to cry, basically. It seemed like when he was about to cry, he would start laughing. Um, and supposedly he had a card that said it was a medical condition. Like, this is the medical condition. Yeah. Um, like, at least that's what his mother had told him. Yeah, but it's so much in the film. It's um, a lot of layers, man. It's a lot of layers. One thing that I, I I appreciated about the film was the like the bullying aspect of it. Yeah, because it's really it's really easy to make bullying super cheesy. Yeah, like come here, dweeb. You're just like you know pushing people's head in the freaking uh, toilet bowls yeah, and like pulling like people. Yeah, like pulling people's pants, giving them wedgies and stuff. It's really easy to like to do that and i see a lot of films like bullying is is a real thing but it's very easy to make bullying like this super cliche uh event that happens in all movies like especially in superhero movies because they they tend to have like that's part of a lot of superheroes origin stories like you know whoever it is whether it's spider-man or you know just uh, they're telling jokes about him being a nerd or, you know, whatever Superman, like this guy's weirdo, what, whatever superhero, they, they all tend to have these uh, similar origin stories. But like the way that they did the bullying in this movie was a little bit, um, I don't know if it was more realistic, but it was more palatable Whether it was yeah. like, whether it was like, yeah, you know, a bunch of like uh, neighborhood kids, you know, stealing signs just because they think it's cool. And then they really beat him up. Like it wasn't like a a thing where they just steal the sign and run away. Like they right. really like they putting hands on him. And even um he he's bullied multiple times in the movie. Even the um the uh, Wall Street guys. Yeah. Are, you know when when they on when the he's train. on the train, um they do a similar thing. And uh you know that was like it, it seemed like realistic. They were like some you know some frat douchebags basically like you know messing with a messing with a kid and or not a kid but messing with somebody that's you know puny to them or whatever the case may be but one thing i noticed as far as like you know i think the the what we me and eddie came to the conclusion that the the theme one of the biggest themes in the film is mental health and it's 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 really interesting you know like we said the movie takes place in maybe the 70s or uh late 70s early 80s and um but they found a way to make it extremely current, right? Like mental health is a huge topic um, in the conversation uh, in today. And, and, you know, this film basically nailed it on the head. They, they put specific things in there and they essentially showed why it's important that we do have therapists, why it's important, not necessarily, not necessarily medication, but it's important to, have a therapist to talk to us. It's important to, you know, to be able to um, have these honest conversations because essentially what happened to the Joker is that his, his mom lied to him his whole life. So he thought one thing was wrong with him when it really was something else. And then, the, you know, they, they started masking these things with, with pills and stuff instead of actually finding 
what the uh, deep rooted, um, yeah, you know, thing was that caused him to have these certain behaviors, and then we later find out that it's a lot of trauma yeah. in his upbringing. His abuse um, as a child, yeah, exactly, and a lot of that he pushed to the back of his head, maybe as a coping mechanism, but. You know, it all started to come to the forefront when he really learned out who his mom was, when he found out he was adopted, and all this stuff started to transpire, and then he just, like, he just snapped. He snapped. There was a couple things that, there was a turning point. The turning point was when he was bullied on that train, and he shot those guys. Yeah. That was the turning point, but let's go back a little bit. I think that they did an amazing job writing the film because you actually felt empathy towards the Joker. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they humanized him so much. That you were like, fuck, man, I feel bad for this guy. Yeah. You know, and then he started doing real crazy shit. And it's not that it's not that they were it's not like they found a way to try to justify the crazy things he were doing. But it it showed like you can he was the product of not properly uh, managing your mental health. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that they had cut the programs, the funding uh, for the therapists and uh, the medication so without going to the therapist he could not get the medication Mm -hmm. so it's just showing it's literally it it was comparable almost to the landscape of america today Mm -hmm. but it showed all the things that don't complement your mental health and things that that might Mm -hmm. um the things that might were shown in the film where there was a part where he just loses his shit and he stabs this dude in the eye guy falls down and there's two guys in in the apartment one guy is a midget that's uh or a little person. I don't know what the fuck they want to be called. But anyway, yeah, a, <laughs> a dwarf, I'm not sure. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has all these pronouns, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the the little man's in there and then the guy that he works with. But the guy that he works with backstabbed him. So he stabs the shit out of that guy in his eye. And the dwarf is like shaking. Like he's scared as fuck. And he's trying to leave. He said, are you going to let me leave? And he said, don't be scared. You're the only person that was ever nice to me. And he kissed the, the little person on the head and he let him leave. Mm-hmm. So it shows, like, fucking be nice. Would it kill you to be nice to people? <laughs> you know, because, and I think that they they put that scene in there for a reason. You know, um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just shows that, um, I think that was the first instance where uh, there was someone he killed and then someone he also didn't kill. Right. So it showed you kind of both sides of it where, um, before then, you might you may have thought that he was just killing people to kill him. Yeah, and then you know through that conversation, you realize, oh, there's a there's a method to the madness where the guy that he killed was essentially a person that lied on him, and then he also was a person that gave him the gun to shoot the people in the subway. So, yeah. um, and then he almost and then he basically uh, got him fired from his his day job, which was yeah. you know being a clown and stuff. So. You know, just letting him go was like a you know a huge uh, a huge moment in the in the film um, where you realize like oh there's this is this is not just mindless killing right you know there's people out there that he actually cares about um, and it's just like you said it's just a matter of being nice and having a conversation with people so yeah definitely yeah. Um, I think that like we mentioned well I mentioned earlier when he killed those dudes at the substation. That's actually where his alter ego began. Like, that's where it started. After he killed them, that's when he kind of was just like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was a scene where I, after it, it, it doesn't really make sense until like after the fact. 
But like after he shoots those guys, like he's a little bit afraid, but then he kind of like embraces the Joker. That's when you he, you start to see him embrace it. Uh, he goes to that that bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he goes to the bathroom. Yeah, he goes to that bathroom and he's like moving with the moving his feet, like shifting his feet side to side, and like mm-hmm. moving his hands, like he got that Joker swag and shit. He got the Joker swag. Yeah, and That's but funny. then supposedly the af- after after he shot those dudes, he went and knocked on the this black chick's door to get some pussy like he opened the door and I, she, he just started kissing her i was like what yeah. the fuck but turns out he didn't get the chocolate pussy he ended up uh, <laughs> it was all in his head man mm-hmm. it was all in his head and in um throughout yeah. the film he started to um he started Almost to like episodes yeah he had episodes in his head like he mm-hmm. literally uh, he envisioned things that didn't exist in reality. Yeah. And he was making sense of the crazy shit he was doing by when these episodes were going on in his head. Like he kept having these thoughts of having that his, his neighbor, the black chick, uh, that she was there with him in the hospital and that they were having sex and all this shit. Right. But in actuality, he was just crazy. Yeah. Which that's that. So, um, the way they revealed this, um, uh, what it would be considered like schizophrenia, uh-huh. um, was was really interesting too. Because, like we said, there's a there's a moment when he he kills those people. He goes to the bathroom and then he goes, and basically it's his neighbor in the apartment. Yeah. He goes over to her and you know he's been eyeing her for a while. He's been following her around town. And she, he knocks on the door. She opens it, and he just lays a kiss on her. And then you know they go into the the house, and then you know who knows what happened after that. Um, that's how they. That's how it played out in real time. And then um, once he he what did he do before he he does something again pretty wild, and then he actually goes back into the house. He just opens the door, and he's sitting on the couch. Yeah. And then the girl comes in and she's like, yo, like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah. And then that's when it reveals to the audience, like, oh, this guy's nuts. This, and then it goes, it, it does a flashback to all the instances to where um, they were actually together, but it removes her from every every one of those scenes. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is crazy. Like, it is basically showing you, like, he's he's having these episodes where he's thinking things are happening when they really aren't. Yeah. And she was like freaking out, like, oh my gosh, like, and she almost didn't even know who he, she, she knew who he was, but it was more like, you know, vaguely, like, aren't you the guy that aren't lives down the way? With his mom. Yeah. She's like, yo, my daughter's in a room. Like, could you please leave right now? She was really scared. Yeah. And I was like, oh, snap. That was, that was just a dope reveal. Yeah. And also, one of the points, too, that they kept hitting over the head was the, was the actual word crazy, like Eddie yeah. mentioned uh, a little bit earlier. And, it's uh, this idea to where everything that we think is different or that we can't make sense of or that we don't have a definition for, we say it's crazy, which is obviously not the correct term or probably we shouldn't, we definitely shouldn't be calling these people crazy at all because yeah. that's just too vague of a, that's too vague of a turn. Like these people are really going through, excuse me, you know, mental they're really having mental health issues. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when you see a person walking down the street talking to themselves, we'll be like, oh, that person's crazy. Or, yeah. This dude's crazy. When in reality, they're not crazy. They're just dealing with, you know, these mental hurdles that they they haven't been able to, you know, get over yet. And yeah. uh, so they, they made it a point in the film to say crazy multiple times, multiple times. to where 
um, you know, crazy in terms of describing the Joker, describing uh, certain actions that he did. So I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah, our comprehension of mental illness is extremely vague. Uh, We tend to lump everything together. And um, it's definitely more complex than what we like how we view it. Like we'll mm-hmm. see somebody talking to themselves and they're crazy. But if we knew what was going on in their head, then we might change our opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, the, and the thing about it too, is like you, you hear the cops in the movie, you saying crazy or mm-hmm. uh, there was a, there was a part I wanted to bring up. Um, what was it? Dang it. I put the damn notes down. Oh, okay. Another thing too. Like I mentioned earlier that, that, you know, society created the Joker, but the Joker or excuse me, Arthur Fleck would watch a night show with his mother. I forgot what it was called, but it had like a, a show, a talk show host. Something Murray, something, something Murray. But it was played by uh, Robert De Niro. Correct. Yeah. And Robert De Niro was the host of that show. And what ended up happening is, is the Joker was all, was a stand up comedian. And in his mind, he was telling jokes and people were laughing. But what had ended up happening is the Joker was just laughing and nobody was laughing. Right. And the night show host ended up playing that clip and his audience laughed. And then he ended up extending a hand to get the Joker on his show, yeah. which was Arthur Fleck. Excuse me. Um, so his intention was to laugh at Arthur instead of like laugh with him like mm-hmm. he basically was a running joke like he was finding he was using arthur for uh material he's just like tmz yeah you know what i mean yeah using him for material so he brings the joker on there and what had happened is is uh, arthur had accepted the invite but he was reenacting uh how he would behave on the show and he kept pulling out the gun and putting it to his head so he wanted to commit suicide on the murray show right but what ended up happening is, is what led up to him getting on there. He seen that he was going to be the laughing stock, so he didn't appreciate it. So what he ended up doing is speaking his mind, saying, having really dark humor, and uh, uh, the, the host was like, "Wait, what are you doing? You crazy? What are you, what are you talking about?" You yeah, think, you think there was, was no punchlines to, to yeah. any of his jokes. Yeah, but he made a point about comedy, which is huge. Um, uh, the Joker was like, "Well, it's comedy, like." Comedy is extremely subjective. Like mm-hmm. you make funny what you want to make funny. Mm-hmm. And like that made a lot of sense because mm-hmm. now we, we live in a world where people like to attack comedians instead of trying to find the, you know, find the funny in the joke. Mm-hmm. Well, to make a long story short, um, he said, you brought me on here to laugh at me. You think I'm a joke. That's why you brought me on here. And he said, doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. Blah, 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 blah. So, to make a long story short, he ends up blowing the guy's fucking head off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel bad for the talk show host. <laughs> I, I didn't because everything that led up to that point shows like you need to treat people with respect. Stop treating them like they are a joke. Yeah. You know, so I felt like from a art standpoint that a lot of the, sh- the killings were justified, mm-hmm. but not all of them. The, the neighbor that he had killed, the black woman, that was fucked up. Yeah. Right. And they leave it kind of open to interpretation what exactly he did. But all you all I know is, is uh, you see him do the little hand gesture with a gun. And then all of a sudden he walks to his room and you see the ambulance pop up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who died, if he killed the mom and the daughter. Like they leave that open to interpretation. Yeah. I think um, one of the things um, for 
you um, cinephiles out there, I guess. Martin Scorsese directed a film called The King of Comedy, which stars Robert De Niro. Um, it's it's uh, for for those of you who love you know older films and stuff. I think this movie came out in seventy eight or something like that. Um, go watch Joker and then go watch uh, The King of Comedy, and you'll see like these crazy parallels to both of these films. The King of Comedy. It's a really just well, you know, simple film, well put together, um, well acted, you know, the whole thing. In, in, this, in the King of Comedy, it's the same sort of thing. So in the Joker, you know, he's basically a struggling comedian who's, you know, his day job is basically being a clown uh, in Gotham City, you know, holding signs and doing parties and stuff like that. That's his day job. But he's aspiring to be a comedian. And, um, you know, obviously comedy doesn't work out. You yeah. know, uh, he, he, he gets a big shot. He always dreamed of being on Murray's show. He actually gets on there and then, you know, he kills the host of the show. And then, you know, he turns into the Joker in the King, the King of Comedy. There's a similar story to where Robert De Niro's character, his character's lifelong dream is to be a comedian. And what he does is he's constantly writing jokes. He's, you know, he's rehearsing tapes and stuff. He's recording tapes inside of his house. And um, he puts a tape together. He um, he actually sees the host. I forget the name of the he, uh, like a talk show host. I forget his name in the movie. He's a talk show host. He's coming out of this. Um, he's coming out of uh, a restaurant or something like that. And founds are hounding him, hounding him, hounding him. And then Robert De Niro's character basically like plays a bodyguard and he shields everybody off and he gets him into his car. And Robert De Niro hops into the car with him. So he's like, yo, I'm a, you know, and they drive off. Eventually they drive off. Robert De Niro's like, yo, I'm a big fan. You know, is there any way I can get you a tape or something so I, so I can get on the show? And then he's like, you know, sure, take down my number. You know, give me a call in a couple of days and then we'll we'll work something out. So Robert De Niro takes that to heart. He's like, yo, like this guy actually like, you know, wants me on the show. It's going to be great. So similar to what um, the Joker did. Uh, in this movie where he's telling everybody like, yo, I'm gonna be a famous comedian. Uh, he's telling, you know, the girl, the black girl, he's like, yo, I'm gonna be a comedian. You should come to my show. Same thing that Robert De Niro did. He's, you know, telling the girl at the bar, like, yo, I'm gonna be on TV one day. I'm gonna be on TV. The guy took my tape, but I'm going to be on TV. But he actually takes his tape down to the studio and the, the person that's the secretary or whatever takes his tape. I don't even know if they listen to it. They take it. They're like, hey, thank you. You know, you know, we'll we'll listen to it. Boom. He comes back the next day. They were like, hey, we just haven't had enough time to listen to it. You know, I'm sorry. And then eventually he comes back again. He's like, hi, sorry, we haven't really listened to it. And they come back again. It's like, hey, we listened to your tape. Um, keep working on your stuff and send us some more, like send us another tape. So they kept giving him the runaround. Eventually he got tired of it. So he broke into it, broke into the place. And then he like goes around and he's like looking for. The, the talk show host and then all, all kind of stuff transpired basically leading up into Robert De Niro kidnapping the host. He, he holds the host for ransom. He takes him to his house and then he finagles something with the police and everybody to say like, hey, I'm not going to release this host until I get on the show. And then he gets on the show and then he does his bit. He does his like 10 minute bit. And then basically uh, he, he blows up. He becomes like a world renowned comedian and then he ends up going to jail and then uh you know 
everything is like peachy after that. He does his like three years or whatever, and then after he gets out, he becomes like you know this world renowned comedian. But it's it's just a crazy story, like seeing that first, and then seeing the Joker, and he's seeing like all these different parallels about like the struggles of a comedian, the 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 the, the mind state of some of these comedians and how they view the world. And, you know, they say like, you know, most of these comedians come from a dark space. That's where a lot of these people, you know, they're committing suicide and they're battling with addictions and going through different, um, different avenues to be able to cope with the world. Like you see, you see Robin Williams commit suicide. And, you know, when we had went to the comedy store, there was another comedian that they kept mentioning that I committed suicide. So it's a oh yeah, Brody, Brody, uh, Brody Stevens. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a it's a it's a crazy space to where yeah, you know these Williams. people are making making us laugh, but at the same time they're dealing with yeah. all kind of different you know mental battles. What so. they call that? Tears of a clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Because uh, Robin Williams took his own life too. Yeah, and you you know you wouldn't expect that, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fucked up. Um. But there was a scene also uh, we that I mentioned previously where the Joker poured his heart out on that talk show. Yeah. I think this was possibly describing the landscape of America in regards to mass shootings. And the reason why I say that is he mentioned all those things. But after he did those crazy st- that like all that crazy shit and he shot the host in the head, th- he created a subculture of people who also hated like rich snobby people and they hated being treated bad. And imagine like someone spearheading a movement like some in order for crazy stuff or anything to happen. Somebody has to be the first one to do it. Yeah. Right. There was no mass shootings in the 70s or 80s or 90s. But all of a sudden, the 2000s, they started coming after Columbine. I'm not saying one hasn't happened before, but Columbine was one of the first high profile mass shootings. And then tons of them followed afterwards. So it started to create a it indirectly created a subculture of people who felt left out or didn't have friends or got bullied or whatever the case. Mm -hmm. And they literally leaned in into their mental illness or their lack of whatever it was. And they said different, just being different and say like, you know what? I'm going to shoot all these people because it's the only way that I think I know how to handle uh, the world or just being poor. Um, A huge part of his story is, him being poor. Yeah. So he there there's moments in the story where there's a lot of parallels to today and you know how a lot of people feel about like, you know, you can make parallels to a lot of the workers that work for Donald Trump and you know, uh Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father or yeah. Batman's dad in the story is like this, you know, this billionaire person who uh treats people terribly. You know yeah. what I mean? And there was a lot of parallels. You know, I made a comparison when I was talking to Eddie last night about the way Donald Trump was talking about the Central Park Five. Yeah. You know, um, I forget what the exact terms he was calling them, but it was extremely disrespectful, you know, saying they should be uh, murdered and, you know, stuff like that. And Thomas Wayne was making a lot of similar statements about um, about Joker when uh when they found out or they didn't know yet who the person was, but you know, he was caught, I think he called him a clown or something like that. Um, in the media when, when they asked for a statement from him about the, the killer of the, you know, the person in the train. So that was, uh, 
now it's just it's just so many layers like we said like you know and you can literally draw comparisons to stuff that's literally going on today uh and then the stuff that they put in the in the movie another thing that i that i seen was um there was there was some autism in there what i noticed i think the way the reason he laughed um the way he did and you know some of his 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 charisma draws back to different uh different forms of autism hmm. um one of one of the uh the what you call it umbrellas of uh autism is not being able to understand emotions like right. there's people that um can't read emotions like if you if you were to walk in a room and you looked extremely happy they would be looking at you and like they they just won't know yeah. like it they just it doesn't register in their brain that that you're happy or sad or anything like they just they just can't understand it so the whole movie he doesn't understand comedy like yeah. <laughs> it's really weird that he's trying to be a comedian but he doesn't understand humor at all yeah he's like you know even if when he's sitting in a club he's taking notes and everything he's laughing but he's laughing at everything the opposite <laughs> yeah like everyone's laughing he's sitting there like why are people laughing yeah and then when somebody says something that's not funny he's like laughing extremely hard so um that was one of the one of the uh things that you one of the things that i noticed and also yeah. that it comes back in full form when i say he doesn't really understand emotion or he doesn't understand like uh humor or sarcasm or something like that because when the black girl Zazie beats, when she's in the elevator, she's with her daughter, and her yeah. daughter was like asking a million questions. And Zazie beats puts like a fake gun to her head with you know with their fingers, and she's like, Psh, like basically like you know just kill me right now, yeah, because I'm tired of dealing with my daughter, right? Uh, in a joking manner, and he sees that, and he's like, it doesn't register to him that exactly. it's a joke, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like when he when uh he just does it back to her and he's just doing it because he's just mimicking her yeah, her her things but she she so they both get out the elevator she walks over to her house and she's like bye have a good night and then he's like hey and then he does a thing again he yeah. does a little bullet to the head thing and then eventually all that comes back when Eddie mentioned earlier when he actually breaks into the house and he's just sitting on the couch and she and he when all this comes to formation where we realized like he wasn't actually dating her or exactly. all, all that was made up and he actually kills her because like I said before, he has some of these autistic tendencies where he believes in his head that she wanted to kill herself. Yeah, he perceived it literally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was one of the things that I seen. I was, um, it, it's, it's so dope that, you know, they tied in autism, mental health, um, they tied in uh, classism, all these different yeah. things into a two-hour movie. It, it was just it, it was brilliant, awesome. man. It was brilliant, man. It was brilliant. Um, let me say this. With all the things we've talked about right now, uh, please do yourself a favor. If you don't like movies where you have to actually think, don't give your opinion on The Joker. Just don't. Just don't. Mm -hmm. If you like movies that bang, bang, shoot them up, uh, loud explosions, uh, fucking super un unrealistic CGI and shit. Mm -hmm. Stick to that, because this movie here, you have to have your thinking cap on. You, you have to. It's a, it's written beautifully for one, but it's some of it is left open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was kind of left open was uh, was Thomas Wayne, Bruce Bruce Wayne's dad. Thomas Wayne was he fucking the Joker's mom? Mm -hmm. That was something that they kind of put in the movie, and also it painted the Wayne family in a different light. Like Bruce Wayne's dad was a piece of shit. Yeah. 
that the way he uh just extremely uh arrogant. Yeah, um, super cocky. Super cocky, mm-hmm. dude. He's just a piece of shit. And then and he also he when he mentioned the the three men that got killed on the subway by the Joker on the news, he was mourning them, saying like whoever did this or whatever, they don't have anything going for him, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And those three guys that got shot were all pieces of shit and he was defending them. He, they were like throwing fries at a female that yeah. was just sitting on the bus. They were all drunk and yeah. you know, belligerent and you know, I don't wish death upon anybody, but uh, yeah, they were on a train for the sake of the movie. It's like, yeah, they deserve to die. Yeah, it was, it just showed like these shoot, some of those shootings were justified, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, and then uh, what was that? What was that thing? Oh, I like the way that they, uh, I like the way that they implemented comedy in the in the film, mm-hmm. but they didn't do it in a corny way. Like I was walking down the street, my mom said so and so. Like they actually had like parts of a real bit in these movies and people we were laughing during the film mm-hmm. so they did a great job of incorporating uh you know uh, uh comedy like little mm-hmm. little stints of comedy that were thrown into the film which i thought were really cool yeah i think i might be a little bit um got a little bit of joker in me because there was literally parts in the movie where no one in the car was laughing and i was like dang this nigga is really wild <laughs> like, yeah it's funny <laughs> yeah um, there's just just the way he laughs sometimes when it's not when he's not supposed to is like was like really f- funny to me. Um, yeah. But w- what you're referring to um, in a technical sense would be action comedy. You know, what yeah. I mean? so, you know, I was telling you this earlier, but a lot of times when people write comedy, which I should, you know, lean into more myself, um, we tend to think of comedy in terms of dialogue. Right. So, yeah. you know, somebody says a funny thing, you know, there's a funny rebuttal. You know, they just kind of go back and forth. But um, comedy can be uh, also visual and, uh, yeah. you know, action comedy. Like in the movie, they're actually watching a Charlie Chaplin film. Yeah. And uh, he's, you know, riding around on his skates. And Charlie Chaplin is a, like a, a god of comedy. Like, you yeah. know, all of his film used to have people crying in the audience. And uh, so it was, you know, in that sense, it you know, like he kind of took little bits and pieces from, you know, old film and, uh, you know, implemented into the movie. Like instances where the midget wasn't tall enough to reach the uh, what do you call that little thing? Uh, it reached the latch, the door. Yeah, latch. yeah, the little door latch, or you know, when the Joker walks into a freaking glass window, it was just like stuff like that was just yeah. like extremely funny. Yeah, they, um, yeah, they found ways to put like a satirical spin mm-hmm. uh, on the film. It, you know, like they they did they did it smooth though. It wasn't like they were trying. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but you mentioned Charlie Chaplin. I think that. Uh, comedy not only does it evolve but there's so many shades of it like you think about instagram people now that are part of this funny video making wave and then you had the silent comedy way back in the day then you have stand-up comedians then you have snl sketch comedy then you have yeah. so many different forms of it mm-hmm. so yeah it's crazy yeah and they, they i think what they were able to do is kind of like bring all of that together exactly you know bring every single era of comedy whether like you said the silent movies or you know, just, you know, sort of like the social media uh, jokes as well. Um, one thing um, we were we were actually supposed to talk about um, this movie last week, but not in yeah. the sense of the actual topic, but just some of the backlash that was coming from the movie. And uh, I have the, uh, a Google Pixel. So like every I get a, all these uh, news articles and every time I would swipe left, a new a new article would pop up saying like, you know, uh, 
the family of uh, Denver um, or Aurora survivors or the parents of some of the victims that got shot in uh, in Colorado yeah. when the last, yeah. when the Dark Knight had came out, were basically bashing the movie. And, you know, they were saying they're, they're promoting violence. And, you know, there was a lot of articles coming out saying that, um, you know, the military is, you know, basically heightening the its uh, security for different different venues and like literally every day I'm checking it's a new article coming out uh, a new critic bashing the movie saying they're promoting violence a new whatever um, and this is a lot of this is coming after they had actually watched the movie mm. um, which was interesting to me um, that's why like for me um, sometimes you know I, I, we talked about earlier we, we mentioned a couple other movies that we wanted to talk about and I was like it would I would be doing a disservice to myself and to our audience if I make any sort of proclamation about a movie that yeah. I haven't seen. Right, yeah. Because it's easy for people that aren't that intelligent or people that are leaning a certain way politically um, to just follow along with what they're saying about a movie. Definitely. So if we if we before if we talked about it last week and i already knew this was the case like i already knew i was going to watch it and form my own opinion yeah but if we talked about it last week and we were extremely you know um receptive of certain articles that came out we could have been like oh this movie is promoting violence like why would they even make a joker movie and you know stuff like this but i think um is this important for first of all for us to form our own opinions exactly. but it's also important to look at the deeper message you know what i right. mean like we mentioned before me and eddie the short film that we did for the um the road reel competition was about the total opposite it was about you know being careful about what about what you say but in the same sense like the people from the competition deemed it as a thing that was triggering suicidal thoughts to people yeah. so it's like a lot of times you know on the surface um, that's what art is, right? It's, yeah. It's about, you know, what the deeper message is that are, you know, that's deeper than the actual surface level uh, thing that you can see right off the bat. You know what I mean? And and that's exactly what this film did. Um, it's violent because that's reality. And, you know, that's that's America today. But you have to see what triggers certain things. You have to see why he was, you know, uh, shooting people he didn't just shoot people just because and they showed that in the movie like literally we talked about it when the the mid he let the midget go or he let the short person go and he killed the other guy that lied on him and and actually gave him the gun so yeah it's um it's always like you know people always say like it's deeper than rap or whatever like but it really is deeper than you know just shooting or killing people or you know being this crazy person or you know whatever you I think that was like a, a very here's the thing. I, I hate to say this because uh, I'm I'm very empathetic towards anyone who has lost someone in something like a mass shooting or something like that. But you got to understand, like just like people, there's there's such a small amount of people that have certain issues that it goes back to one monkey. Don't stop the show. You know, you, you got to mm-hmm. uh, you either rock with it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie was great. It was beautifully written. It's art. It's, it's a lot of times art ain't always what you want to want to see. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes art may have scenes in movies that you don't like. It might be a scene where somebody's shooting a kid. It might be like a rape scene in the movie that you don't want to watch. Yeah. But the unfortunate thing about it is not only do these things happen in real life, but this is art. This is not somebody really 
doing the act of whatever yeah, you absolutely. what you're seeing. So you have to don't come unglued and get triggered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now here's the thing. I'm not like conservative or liberal or any of that, but I will say that a lot of the people that get triggered by movies like this the most happen to be liberal, yeah. extremely left, and you know, yeah, <laughs> being real. liberalized down. Somewhere. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> the pumpkin's mouth, the way it was carved, that is racism. You're like, what? What are you yeah. talking about? Like, yo, it's so stupid. It's like, like just, just watch the fucking everything. movie. Yeah, it's just so stupid. Just watch the goddamn. And you movie. realize. Um, I posted this earlier on Twitter. I was like, I, uh, I'm not going to say it verbatim, but basically what I was trying to say was it's hard for me to actually believe Rotten Tomato anymore. Right. Because I think this movie scored like a 69% in the Rotten Tomato. Yeah. And the audience score was like a 91%. Yeah. But Crazy. the reason why I was like, yo, I'm, I'm off the Rotten Tomato is because I realized that a lot of the criticism didn't come from the quality of the movie. It right. didn't come from Joaquin Phoenix's performance. It came from the message in the movie, which they, which seemingly they got wrong because, you know, a lot of the stuff that they were saying, it was the complete opposite of, you know, they were talking about mental health. They're talking about, you know, what triggers these, uh, these mass shootings and stuff like that. And it's, a, it's an uncomfortable conversation. That's why I say you should never censor art. Um, whether it's 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 nudity or whatever it know, is killing or suicide whatever it may be um don't censor it in that sense because whatever the surface level is is just the surface level there's yeah, always 100%. a deeper message when it comes to like these profound artists and that's why they're in the positions uh that they are and it's it, it, interesting enough the actual person um his name is Todd Phillips the person that directed the movie came from a comedy background. He did a lot right. of, uh, you know, uh, comedy movies before he actually took upon uh, the role to direct Joker. He did, he did a, uh, the movie like Project X, and um, I can't think of any other films that he, he directed offhand, but, you know, coming from that background, he actually said, like, um, he said, what did he say? He was like, he left comedy because woke, woke culture ruined the genre for him. Oh, wow. So his sentiments are kind of aligned with guys like Andrew Scholes and Dave Chappelle and uh, Bill Burr in a sense to where it's like, you know, all these woke culture people are, you know, they're just ruining everything because they have an opinion about every single thing. And, you know, they they want to be angry at whatever jokes. Triggered. Yeah, they want to be triggered at any and everything. And um, to me, I I love it. Like it's a it's a it's a a direct shot at woke culture in a sense it's almost yeah. the equivalent of dave chappelle's comedy show yeah like this was the joker was you know almost that in that same realm like we're directly yeah. it, here's the thing also like you mentioned censoring art you have a podcast that some of you listen to every week with us to happen to be two black men and we made we tried to make sense of louis ck saying nigger in his stand-up yeah because it's you have to separate the art from what what you perceive it as now yeah. me i don't think it's the greatest thing but you you have to see the funny in it and we both seen how that could be funny initially it was like yo you shouldn't be saying that like bro why are you saying that yeah but at the same time you look at how they frame it you have to look at things beyond the surface level like you mm-hmm. mentioned um and i think more people should do that instead of just looking for a reason to be triggered about something yeah and it's just hey, it's one of those things man. yeah i think it's interesting you know this is the same sort of thing it happens every generation, right? I right. think 
when hip hop came out, it was a lot of the same thing. Pushback. Like NWA, guys like that, Snoop Dogg. It's like all oh, these guys are misogynistic. They're, you know, they're they're violent. They're, you know, causing riots and stuff like that. And then eventually they got over and they realized like hip hop is an art. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the sort of thing that's happening in comedy now where there's a lot of and most of the time it is liberals because, you know, they they tend to be people that are, you know, in, they up in arms a lot. Uh, well, I don't know if that. I don't were, know why. What, what back then was it liberals? Maybe conservatives were the people I that was. I, yeah, conservatives was more pissed off when the NWA yeah. came out because mm-hmm. the NWA was like they had songs like "Fuck the Police" and yeah, people yeah, who yeah, are yeah. conservative tend to be more pro police. Mm-hmm. So they was like "Fuck the Police" and mm-hmm. people and and the president went off and they were on like the some list for the government. Yeah, it was a whole bunch of shit going on. So mm-hmm. I think that there was a time where conservatives were like the grumpy old man, stay out of yeah. my yard, you know? Yeah. Now it's conservative. Now it's liberals, the liberals being, are be, yeah. being just, you know, panties in a bunch, <laughs> you know? And they don't realize like where, you know, these people are actually on your side. These same people that you're trying to cancel or whatever, yeah. like they're people that sentiments align more so with you than the other side. But, you know, because they want to be angry at everything, they because they want to dig up history about you know what people have done 20 30 years ago and all this stuff yeah, like stupid you're just ruining yeah. moments you're ruining art man yeah. that's nuts all right switching gears uh this kind of goes with what we just talked about but it, it uh instead of like cancel culture or whatever i don't really think cancel culture is real because you you see guys like kanye west people saying i'm not buying his shoes i'm not listening to his music but his spotify streams continue to rise and his Yeezys are extremely successful. I just seen a Sunday service in uh-huh. in uh, oh god dang. I think it was in Utah, uh-huh. and it was packed. Really, thousands of people out there. It looked like a, it was a sea of people. So yeah, yeah. Anybody, they haven't canceled him yet. Yeah, Kanye ain't been canceled at all. So I don't think cancel culture is real. However, all right, and I created this uh, I guess terminology. I guess you could say carried away culture is real. Yeah, because motherfuckers get carried away on the internet. <laughs> Way it, it's like it's gotten so bad that okay, recently there's been a high profile case with Botham Jean. Anybody who has watched it, but uh, he was murdered by an uh, off-duty police officer that just went in his house and shot him. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the excuse was that she didn't know it was his uh, her. Uh, basically, she didn't know she was in the wrong apartment. Right. Supposedly, um, I was just thinking this, just literally just right now. Yeah. Um, supposedly she was like sexing somebody, sexting yeah, somebody. Yes, sexting somebody when it happened. Probably a white guy. I don't know. If she was sexing a black dude, he probably would still be alive. Probably, because she would walk in the room like, "Give me that black dick." Oh, wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong, apart, wrong apartment. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect you to be here. Oh, pull your pants down. Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, but uh, basically that that's what happened, right? So. To make a long story short, this officer, Amber Geiger, I believe her name is. Yeah. She uh, ended up murdering him. Um, and we're just going to fast forward through this, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to spend way too much time talking about the case in specific. I want to talk about the people surrounding it, meaning society. Mm-hmm. Um, so to make a long story short, they come out with the sentence. It's 10 years. Um, and after the trial is over or whatever, the person gets sentenced. Uh, the brother comes up and tells uh, the, the jury and, and everybody in the crowd about how he forgave the woman that killed his brother. Yeah. And uh, he said, I don't want to I'm doing this because I don't want to hate you for the rest of my life. 
This is how my brother would feel the, about this. Situation. Yeah, this is how my brother would feel about this. And he hugged her, right? He hugged the one, the woman that murdered his brother. She he hugged her. Yeah. And I purposely have not mentioned how I felt about the Botham Jean case or anything, based off the simple fact that I know I'm going to come here and do it. Yeah. You know, I don't want this to sound like I'm biting off of fucking Charlemagne because he actually just mentioned this the other day. Mm-hmm. But it's the truth. When you have a platform such as a podcast, you don't have to sound off on everything because you have the platform to say things and not be interrupted by people on your timeline, people in your mentions, people who look at things half baked and don't have complete thoughts or now, limited to 140 characters. Right. Whatever. You're, you're limited to 140 characters. And when you write things in text format, they can oftentimes be taken out of context mm-hmm. because there's not enough context. Yeah. Now, when you hear me on this mic talking, now you know what the fuck I'm saying because I'm giving everything I have so you can fucking understand it. And if you still don't understand it, then just go suck a dick. All right. Now, what I'm saying. Some people just like doing that. That's some, not disrespect for some yeah, people. Some people just like sucking dick. Now, yeah. here's, here's the thing. <laughs> She's like, oh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> 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 what was that? <laughs> no, nah, they'd be like, <laughs> nah, but um, basically, for the last week and some change, I've watched society tell people how they should grieve. Like, you, you telling people how they should feel and what they should do, and calling them coons and, you know, saying, oh, you a coon, you Uncle Tom for hugging that white girl after she killed a black man. And, not, and I'm, uh, I'm, what, wa- is that, uh, mm-hmm. what is that condition that they call when, uh, black people are submissive to white people. I uh, I don't know. It's not Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, Stockholm. It's syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think that any of that applies. Now I will say that there's some fucked up shit going on. The thing that I did not like is that the, the judge. judge went and hugged the fucking murderer. That was weird. That was weird. That was some weird shit. Like it, it, you you should not feel empathy for someone who walked into a place and killed a man. That you there is nothing more innocent than eating fucking ice cream, and she killed a man eating you, ice cream. Watching TV. I watched um, Trevor Noah, and he made a good point that I have never heard anyone say. He was like, um, he's like, it is interesting that, you know, the the people are, you know, the brothers hugging the the girl that Amber Geiger and the Mm -hmm. judge came down and hugged the the, uh, Amber Geiger. Mm -hmm. He was saying the, the, that's an okay take, but he was saying the, the opposite should be true is that we should treat every person that made a mistake like that. Mm. So he's like, you know, it's cool. Okay. Like you came down and hugged her. That's fine. But that same um, thing should be afforded to a person that made a similar mistake, but is black or Mexican or whatever. Right. So the judge should be able to come down and hug. Right. I've never seen whatever, it. you know, whatever person that murdered someone and is, that seems to be, uh, you know, crying or like sad about the situation or maybe they wish they would be able to take that situation back so definitely uh that was just an interesting take that i, I never heard anyone say it i've learned so much from watching this um but you know like i mentioned uh, you send someone to 10 years for a murder right um and it's crazy like you say it was a mistake and i just don't understand how we could comprehend this as a mistake when you go in there and then you don't do CPR, like the, you're on the phone, you don't sound like distraught. You know, you're just like, I don't know what you're on, what you're, what drugs you're on or whatever the fuck you were doing. But I, as a, first of all, let's be clear, just because you're a judge, police officer, whatever you are, does not mean you're fit to do your job. I don't think that that judge was fit to do her job. 
I don't. Because you hug a fucking murderer. The the forgiveness is up to the brother, not up to you. Your job is to be objective at all times and you hit that fucking gavel and you do your job. I feel like we should have we like the people should be able to weigh in on something that they see that they don't think is right. And they should do a fucking retrial and have another judge. Mm-hmm. They had another judge. Then that dumb bride would be getting fucking 35 years. Yeah, that like you. It's murder. You cannot be any more innocent than being in your home eating ice cream. Imagine me and Keith doing this podcast and some fucking dumbass comes in and shoots us and said, I didn't know I was in the wrong house. And they only get 10 years for my life? Yeah. Okay? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Here, another point I wanted to make, why am I held to a higher standard than a police officer? And I know you guys listening, you might be pro-police and be like, that's not true. That's actually very false. Let me educate, let me educate your dumb ass. Okay, look. <laughs> As a hazmat fuel hauler, if I get a speeding ticket, I'm getting charged double. If I go in overweight, I'm getting charged for every placard on my truck. I can get tickets up to over $2,000 for something small. Okay. I can get points on my license that I can't get off. If I'm off duty and I have any alcohol at a certain level and I'm driving, I get my license taken away. Why is it that police officers will commit crimes while they're active and get probation or get 10 years. I think that police officers should be held to a higher standard. You should be an upgraded citizen, meaning that if you commit a crime while being an active officer, you should get double the sentence because you have been, you literally have been trained to not break the fucking law. Why is it? I I watched a cop here in Bakersfield that was stealing evidence from the Bakersfield police department. This motherfucker got probation. He came out with a YouTube video and said, the devil was in me. I'm sorry. Um, I, you know, I didn't know what was going on. He went up there and got probation. And I got to watch my uncle get a federal drug charge and get third. He got 13 years for his drug charge. And this cop literally was stealing drugs and got probation. It makes no fucking sense. And that officer, honestly, the way she murdered that person in Botham Jean in cold blood, that dumb hoe should be getting fucking 35 years. And we all know it. I don't care if you're pro-police, whatever you are. I have zero empathy for this lady. Zero. I don't give a fuck what they do to her. I don't care about any of that. It's not up to me to forgive anybody. Right. I'm not here to judge, but I'm not here to forgive nobody that killed someone in cold blood. But I will not judge how they forgave them because I'm not going to tell any, anyone how to grieve. That's just the way I feel. Cops need to be held to a higher standard. You break the law, you get double for breaking it. That's my opinion. Yeah. I don't know, like, what if the sentence was sufficient enough, because I don't know of the, uh, the precedent behind those kind of situations. What I will say, though, is because so many of these police officers and, you know, uh, uh, what's the guy that shot Trayvon Martin? Oh, the fucking uh, George Zimmerman. Yeah, Zimmerman. All these guys are getting off, uh, you know, time after time after time. I'm honestly happy with the fact that she was she's actually going to prison. Definitely. You know what I mean? Because so many times beforehand. 
these people are murdering people in cold blood and you know you know for smoking cigarettes outside of a store yeah. or you know, stealing or whatever and um they're getting they're getting off and basically just getting fired or transferred somewhere else and you right. know, still being able to live their life i'm just happy that you know justice was served in a sense you know right. depending on who you know who believes what should have happened um but yeah i do agree i think it, it's it's pretty crazy that there's such a like i don't know what you call it. there's a lot of mishaps that go along with you know when the the social or the the justice system is dealing with the justice system right, right. so when police officers are um you know getting accused of murdering or you know tampering with evidence and all whatever whatever the case may be they get the they get extremely light sentences and right. it happens time after time and i don't know why it happens um you know whatever goes on and you know w- all these people are working together that you know the da the, the judge and all these people are in cahoots together so for whatever reason they tend to usually get these lighter sentences but you know it's 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 sad man like it, there yeah. has to be something or there needs to be something done because like you said, the guy gets probation for freaking yeah. stealing evidence. Stealing from- evidence, fucking drugs, money. Yeah. And you were an active on-duty officer. This is ridiculous. All right, let's be clear here, okay? Um, for any of our non-black listeners, um, this to some people may seem like, oh, you're just pulling a race card for no reason. Let's be clear here. Uh, as a person of color, I will say that I don't expect um, uh, like a white person to really understand how the world is seen through my eyes. I, I think that that's unfair, but I will say this. You never had to deal with race, your family, your mother, grandpa, uncles, cousins, never had to deal. You never been told you couldn't drink out of a faucet. You never been stopped at disproportionate time, uh, times a night, like black people have. Okay. So I don't expect you to get it, but I will say this. Let's flip this shit around. Let's say Eddie McGee gets off of a long shift, I've been driving all day. I've worked 17 hours. I get off of work. I go into an apartment complex. I go on my door. I see some 22-year-old white girl, probably a college student, working on her, working on a class project, and I shoot her to death. How the fuck do you think society will view that case now? I just want you to just, just marinate on that for a moment. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, oh, they would have did this. I want you to honestly think about it in your subconscious. How would society view a 34-year-old black man going into the wrong apartment and shooting like a 21 to 22-year-old white girl that was minding her business and working on a class project? Especially, um, you know, what tends to happen in these cases is they start pulling out evidence that has nothing to do with the case. Right. I'll be like, oh, Eddie was... This nigga Eddie was sending dick pics on Snapchat. That <laughs> <laughs> episode of Dick Pic on CNN. <laughs> dick, pic, dick Pic be on ABC News, CNN. <laughs> and then one of the newscasts was like, oh, that's actually that's a nice dick. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Loren. Like, oh, man. Oh, People are outraged, but that's a nice dick. <laughs> <laughs> These liberals don't know what a good dick is. 
Oh, man. Uh, that's just something to think about. I want you to think about that honestly. I don't want to force my opinion on anyone listening to the podcast, but I want you to be transparent. I want you to be honest, and I want you to tell your family, tell your friends, and ask them that question. How would it look if a black 34-year-old man got off of work like a 17-hour shift walked into the wrong apartment and shot a white white girl. How would society view that case? What would they do? Yeah, I think um even there's there's a lot of privileges that take place in this, right? So there's a, you know, like a a judicial system privilege or yeah. you know, a, a police officer privilege. There's also a a white privilege that plays a, a role in this. There's also a female white privilege that plays a role in this. So, you know, even outside of the race thing, if you if you just think about any man, like if the genders were reversed, exactly. reversed right? If a man came in and they shot yeah. shot a woman like that, like it it would take on a whole, a whole different new beast. thing. That's why it's like it's it's almost, you know, that's why lawyers get paid so much money because mm-hmm. they have to battle people's um subconscious in a sense. Definitely. To where like, you know, Society has made it to where black people are guilty until proven innocent. So they have to go in there and remove all this bias and yeah. uh, almost work double time to make a panel of um, a jury to you know believe a person is innocent or guilty. Right. So it's it's it's, it's crazy. It's man. crazy. I just think you have to be honest with yourself. And here's the thing. If we ever mention white privilege, we don't expect if we have any white listeners, we don't expect you to understand it. We, to you, you might say white privilege doesn't exist. Black people just making stuff up. I That's had to fine. struggle myself. I, I had it. to struggle. It has nothing it from to, the mud. It has no. <laughs> it has nothing to do with financially. It has to do with perception. Perception that being a certain race uh, will uh, it gives you advantages in life. It can. Yeah. Where if I'm in the same, if I'm doing the same, let's say, for example, we're in an open carry state and I have a fucking AK-47 and I'm in a certain, I don't know, a certain town and my shit's out and the police are like, hey, what are you doing? They actually did this on YouTube. If you get a chance to look it up, put an open carry black versus white. No, I've seen it in real. I've been driving down Chester mm -hmm. and there's a. Like second, um, second, second hand or not second, second amendment, second amendment sports yeah, that, or whatever. That's off of Rosedale. People hopping out with shotguns. Yeah, yeah, walking inside the building. I was like, yeah. in no way would me or you be no. able to be downtown in the middle of Bakersfield with freaking military grade weapons walking no. into a store like that. Not at all, because most times, most times, it, it, people don't admit it. There's a bunch of biases that exist. I just think we have to understand ourselves and how our brain works. And if you could t- twist it up, then then it'll start to make sense. Mm-hmm. But if you see a black man getting out of a car with AK-47, you're not going to think he's going to a fucking gun rage. Yeah. Let's just be honest. There's another test. If you see a black man, even if he's near a gun range and he gets out with an AK-47, right? You could say, why does color matter? It, I mean, come on, you guys. I don't care if he's black, white, purple. It doesn't matter. If he's in an open carry state and he got an AK-47, let's say he's probably about a mile away from, you know, a gun range. A, a white guy that's wearing some boots and a camouflage jacket and a and a hat with some shades. Oh, that guy's going hunting. Mm-hmm. That guy's going hunting. No problem. Nigga, black, black guy comes out. 
and he, if he probably has the same thing on, chances are nobody might really care too much. They might say, look, he's probably going hunting too. But let him have a black T-shirt on and some denim jeans. Now people are going to be tripping. Yeah, That's the advantage that a white person will have over a black guy mm-hmm. is that they could be in more spaces and not get looked at funny. Yeah, Because if you're just a black guy going to certain places, like, hey, what's his deal? Mm-hmm. What's he doing here? Yeah. Why does he smell like fried chicken? <laughs> no, I'm fucking... <laughs> Yeah, you, you got to check your own biases. I think in society, people tend to say things, but they don't feel those things. Yeah. They say it. I'm, you know, I don't think this way. I don't do this. I don't do that. And blah, blah, blah. But how do you really fucking feel? And I'm not calling anyone a racist or anything. I just want you to really look into your heart and your fucking subconscious and you look in the mirror mm-hmm. and really try to understand how you feel because people are full of shit. Yeah. Most people are biased. There are certain things I have to retrain myself. Like I'll be driving down the road when I'm in Los Angeles and I get cut off and I finally see the person that cut me off and then they're Asian. I'm like, I fucking knew it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, no, bro, you can't do that. That's racist. And then another Asian person cuts me off. I'm like, God damn it. I'm trying. I'm trying to be a better man. Trying to be a better person. But yeah, man, that's that's where I'm at on that. Yeah. All right. You got anything else, Keith? Nah, man. All right, switching gears. Why don't relationships and marriages last anymore? Mm-hmm. Right? I've came up with a couple reasons why. Right? The reason why, let's start off with relationships because relationship is a prequel to marriage. So we'll start with that. Yeah. A relationship doesn't work because people love the allure of being single too much. And what I mean by that is they will be in a full fledged relationship. Right? This is men and women, but I've seen this a lot with women. They'll be in a full fucking fledged relationship, but they love the allure of being single so much that they'll be up there with their tits out like this is a great day. Mm-hmm. Like they love the attention that a single woman gets. So they still want to play that tightrope game of I'm in a relationship. I love him, but I love all the attention that I still got from me being single. So let me play both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking trash. You have to commit. You got to realize if you're with someone. Everything you do is a reflection of your partner. So when you're out showing your ass or you're a man out there and you're talking bad about your girlfriend or whatever you're doing, you're not you're not behaving in a manner in which complements your relationship. Yeah. I'm not trying to give a relationship advice, but this is the simple reason why I stay out of relationships, because I cannot find women who are actually respectful towards a fucking companionship like they they tend to like you, but love attention. Or they'll like you, but they love to talk about you to other people when you're not around. I can't trust you if we get in an argument and, and then you go to social media and post something subliminal about me. That's immature. That's childish. I need a grown woman. I don't need no girl running around doing that. That's fucking corny. Yeah. Okay? So these are some just a few reasons why things don't last. And marriages don't marriages don't last simply because People never got their relationship down and then they had the nerve to get married. So now you carry all that trash from that relationship and then you get married. Now you just married and now you feel stuck. Most people aren't. They don't feel married and happy. They feel stuck. And when you feel stuck, that's a bad place to be in. To me, I think that most uh, of these relationships don't last because um, people are in relationships with the wrong person. A hundred percent. Like 
you know, there's so many signs um, that happen in the courting phase of relationships that people ignore. And then by the time, you know, they keep continuously keep ignoring these these things, they're year in They're You know, they're actually dating. They may have a kid by now. They may be um, engaged or whatever. And these still these these character flaws are still there. Yeah. I mean, whether it's a, a person that has. Uh, a wandering eye, you know what I yeah. mean? Like every time a girl walks by, they may be looking at him. They may be liking certain P- pictures, pictures on of, Instagram. Yeah, that's uh, disrespectful. Um, you go through their feed as you know pictures of them liking Meg Thee Stallion, Nicki, Nicki Minaj, big booties, and all kind of stuff like that. That's too much. And you're ignoring this, and then when that person actually cheats on you or whatever, then you're 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 you act surprised or you act hurt or you know what I mean or you ended up breaking up but at that point it's like yo like you know it's too late now like you got a kid you 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 probably married or whatever like these character flaws tend to stay with people it's definitely extremely difficult for people to mature um you said it the most um the norm is for a person to get 45 40 years old or whatever and still have those same childish behaviors oh my god you know what i mean um it's it's very rare that a person like gets into a relationship and you know they they have a bad habit at the beginning of the relationship and then finally they kind of buckle down. Like people that I know that um like my friends we're, we're all like 27, 28, 29, 26, 25 that age, age age range and a lot of them have been in relationships with females for, you know, long stints of time, years right. at a time. Um they probably went into the relationship cheating on their girl and then five years down the line they still have a wandering eye and yeah. they still do the same thing so it's like you know what i mean this is the type of people that you guys are in relationships with you know what i mean right. so i feel like what happens now is i think people try to fast track it right they don't yeah. really have that that courting phase where you actually get to know a person you right go, you go on a couple dates you know what i mean you go get milkshakes or whatever they used to do um you know back in the 70s or whatever you know that 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 courting beer float yeah (laughs) yeah or go to a drive-in movie or something like that right like that courting phase is is eliminated and it's it's almost fast-tracked through the internet nowadays yes people are you know liking each other off of instagram or whatever and they also don't go with their gut yeah um and they they can't discern lust from like actual like a feeling of like or love you know what i mean so that happens a lot too i think once you like being single um for so long it helps you kind of comprehend your actual feelings right yes because you know um your your main goal is not necessarily to find a girlfriend right no so when you do meet a girl and you're like oh i'm gonna just have like i'm gonna just you know we're gonna have like this sort of like uh friends with benefits situation you know that that you know that feeling very well mm-hmm. you know what i mean and when it feels different you're like oh like okay i actually like this person mm-hmm. and you know i like what she's doing she's she's a goal-oriented person um, you know, she don't have no drama in her life. She's low key. She she's doing all the right things Definitely. that she would see in a see in a girl, which is like the total opposite of your friend with benefits. Like, yeah, this is a girl that she would just be hitting every now and then. She might got a fat booty and uh, yep. you know, she cool. You know what I'm saying, yep. No, that's that's true. Yeah, I, I've had situations. I'm gonna say backfire, but I've had situations where 
Um, maybe the girl didn't feel like I was up to her standards. Like we'd be fooling around or whatever. We'd be cool. We'd be friends. And I like really liked her, you yeah. know, and, um, and she would basically say like, I'm really not, I'm not trying to do it like yeah. be in a relationship or anything. And I, even if I didn't understand it, like, man, she likes me. I like her. Like, uh-huh. why she don't want to be with me? You know, but at the same time I had to understand it and I had to respect it. Yeah. And, you know, but that's where, my, that's, that's like, a part of maturity, right? Like uh, you, you, you have to understand when things aren't going to work. But this that's probably, probably hurt, you know, being mature enough to be definitely. Like, this is lust, you know. I don't actually like you, like you know. And if we were to get into a relationship, nothing would become of it, and right. we'll end up breaking up or something. So that's pretty cool on her part. Yeah, I also think people like I'm telling you, let, let's talk about like men specifically. Like as a man, you really got to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you t- if you taste some pussy in your thirties, man. Like the thing about it is, you know, I don't get laid all the time, but I do get some pussy here and there. And I I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's my thing. I think that if you get in a relationship, you got to cut all that nonsense out. You know, um, we talked about the Instagram and and all of that and liking pictures of chicks half naked to live in your city and your girlfriend might see it. I hate to say it, but that is disrespectful. Mm -hmm. How would you like how would you like if your girl was on the internet looking at and was following a page called Big Dick Niggas or some shit? Uh-huh. And you find out she's liking BDN. These, yeah, what it BDN. <laughs> she, she's over here liking these photos of these black guys. And then you like, bro, what's what is this? Like, what kind of woman do I have? Yeah. How do you think how do you think women feel when they see you liking all this malarkey on the internet? Dudes be losing their mind, man. I like yeah. I've heard all of my friends that um have cheated before are in that space where they're you know they have those wandering eyes. Yeah, they all say if my girl were to do the same, it's over. Yeah, heard it countless times, and I've seen it. Like I've experienced it to where uh, one of my friends, his girl was actually talking to some dude, like really, like legit communicating with him for 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 weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was an ex boyfriend or what it was, but um, he came across the messages, or the guy eventually texted him, or something like that, and he lost it. Kicked her out of the house, everything. What? But he been hitting everything, walking. <laughs> Terrible. I so. think that some women realize, like, I think some women don't want to know, but they know that their man's cheating on them. You got to know. They know it. They yeah. know it. They know it for a fact. It's so, it's so many signs. Like, it, I mean, it's different um, in situations where uh, I guess you guys aren't around each other right. that often. If You know, if your man is... Uh, is your, is like on the road, you know, doing truck driving or yeah. something like that. But if you lay down in bed with each other every night, mm-hmm. like you got to know, man. Yeah, you got to know. There's so many signs. Like <laughs> and the how comfortable they are around me, I can't expect them to be that calculated. You right. Know, when they in front of the girl. There ain't no way. Like <laughs> cuz I'll be seeing stuff, I'm like, "Yo, what the heck?" Yeah, like, I I think that when you're young, I think a lot of people they fuck up because they get they get a girl that they really like. They even have a child by her, but then they fuck around on her behind her back. Just admit that you're not ready for that. Don't yeah. have no kid. Use a fucking condom. Yeah. Fuck who you want to fuck until you meet a girl that And here's the thing. I think you have to be I'm not self, not say selfish, but you have to be smart enough to understand that even if you got a good girl, if you ain't ready for her, man, don't fuck with her. Yeah. It's some, if I, and some her. some women will say like, it's, these dudes are so stupid, saying like, uh, she too good for me. I don't want her. I ain't ready for her. And it's like you a piece of shit. Well, if he's a piece of shit and he knows it, then you should be applauding him yeah. because he's not trying to fuck your life up. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women tend to gravitate to men that fuck their lives up. 
and then they act like that's the end all be all for all men. Mm-hmm. That's false. Yeah. I, you know, I, my la- the last thing I want to do is hurt anyone. I know how it feels to have your feelings hurt. A lot of men are too prideful to admit that they've had their feelings hurt, you know, but I mean, I have. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever want to replicate that. So what I would do is just be honest. Mm-hmm. And it, it just doesn't make any sense to me that we keep seeing this. Yeah, I think um, for me, what I've kind of been able to mature into now is a space where like if I feel like a girl actually likes me, like likes me as in wanting to be like my girlfriend or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, I don't have that same feeling like I won't have any sort of like sexual relationship with that. Oh, de- definitely. Because I know that like it, it will only like lead to heartbreak and, mm-hmm. you know, hurt feelings and stuff like that. Um, and that happens to me like not all the time, but there's a few, few girls that I've, I've experienced that with. You know what I mean? And I just, it feels better for me emotionally. You know what I mean? Knowing that yeah. I, I'm not this like, achy breaky heart type yeah <laughs> billy ray cyrus type nigga out here don't tell my heart <laughs> my angry breaky heart i just don't think it understands <laughs> yeah so but yeah that thing <laughs> that that <laughs> that just shows you know like at least my mental space but you yeah. know any girl can't get it you feel me yeah real talk <laughs> yeah they can <laughs> yeah but it's the thing about it man it's just like um Maturity goes a long way, folks. I, I just think that if you're not ready to be, especially young people, young people, just fuck each other, man. Don't don't get caught up in these relationships. You're young. You're still trying to figure out who you are. You don't have a fucking career yet. Yeah. You're not doing what you want to do with your life. Why would you want to why would you want to get married or have a child when you don't even know what the fuck you want to do with yourself? Yeah. Just fuck who you want to fuck. Make sure you protect yourself. Don't be overly promiscuous, but make sure you get yours and live your life. Yeah. Stop trying to fucking settle down before you're even adult enough to do it. A lot of people are still living, you know, uh, it's some people, it's some chicks, I ain't gonna say no names, living from couch to couch, but they pregnant. You're like, wait a minute, why why ain't the dude that fucked you, why aren't y'all living together? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's none of my business, but it's like. You're not established enough to even really be doing the things you're doing. Yeah. And you wonder why it doesn't work out and why, you know, why you got two different baby daddies and shit like that. It's yeah. because you never you're not giving yourself enough time to grow. Yeah. Yeah. It, what what happens too is um I think kind of like we said, like people tend to pick the the wrong people in relationships. Right. Um, but these girls get stuck into a pattern, right? Definitely. And I'm sure you've ran into it too where you you were talking to a girl, you end up smashing a girl that typically dealt dealt with like hood niggas or something like they'll be telling mm-hmm. you a story like, Yeah, my uh my last boyfriend used to beat me up and yeah. I used to pay for him and Definitely. I'll be like, yo, like I'm not even the the reason I know this won't work is because I'm not at all aligned with your previous right. you know, boyfriends. You right. know what I mean? If you got a boyfriend that was you know, game banging and shooting at niggas, right. or, you know, or from the country or from the west side, from the, whatever, whatever side of town. Like, I'm the total opposite. I'm a nigga with a college degree. Like, there you go. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So I, mean, I, I know for a fact that we're not going to work. So nah, you got to know yourself, man. Yeah. It's not being cocky. 
Like, if you dating niggas that's game banging, the only thing I'm trying to bang is that pussy. I ain't trying yeah. to bang nothing else. <laughs> Maybe do a little finger banging too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> pussy sight. <laughs> <laughs> the only only game banging I'm doing is pussy banging. <laughs> Throwing up pussy sight. <laughs> Throwing up the peas. <laughs> pussy juice gangster crib. Yay, yay. <laughs> do the ice cube. Yay, yay. <laughs> Oh dang! Yeah, that. man. But yeah, I've heard those horror stories from girls. Like yeah. they'll, and it was weird too. Is I know I have to stay away from women like that. Um, and I think it more and more. I'm just I'm really turned off by it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't care how pretty a, a woman is, or how good she looks, or how fat her ass is, or whatever. Ladies, you need to understand that's not going to get you far. And, you know, I think that you're going to end up in the same repetitive relationships. I think some women are numb to relationships now. I think that. They go into it just like because they don't want to even be they want to be alone. That's the same thing yeah. for men. Yeah, they just get in relationships now because they don't want to be alone. They're together for like nine months to a year, and then they end it, and then they back single. Like, yeah, I'm single, and then they do the same bullshit. They meet another motherfucker that's not going to work. I think people love doing that. I think they like the feeling yeah. of something fresh. Yeah, they don't like the feeling of putting your feet down and say, look. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to be this person for my husband or for my wife. They don't do that. I think, is it weird too, um, this idea like of people wanting to be in a relationship, but not actually wanting to be in a relationship, but wanting to be in a relationship because they're tired of being single. A hundred percent. That's what, that's about 85% of relationships is. Yeah. I think that's a bad way to go into a relationship. Yo, like I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of sleeping alone. I hate sleeping alone. Yeah. Eddie, I've I've heard shit from women like, Eddie, you don't feel lonely sometimes and this and that. I'm like, look, I'm not a codependent person. I have things going on in my life. Yeah. You know, I'm a very busy guy. I'm at work and do a podcast. I have goals I'm trying to reach in life. I'm not sitting there reaching for every fucking chick with big titties and a fat ass i'm not yeah i do like that but i'm just saying like I, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not emphasizing on that only like i think yeah. i'm at the age where i need a grown woman in my life like a grown yeah. woman i don't need no chick that's pretty that's all dolled up that's stressing me out because she's always looking for attention yeah. or she's always got drama going on or she always trying to go to the club or she always talking about who she don't like. And mm-hmm. I don't, I cannot and I will not deal with that. Yeah. Now, what I will do is deal with that same chick I just mentioned, except I'm going to put my dick in her mouth ah! and then I'm going to go back to my life. I'm mm-hmm. not going to waste my time dealing with that drama. It's yeah. not worth it, man. Period. Yeah. I've seen, you know what's crazy? I've I've had sexual relations with women that I knew I wasn't gonna pursue anything with. Yeah. You know, dick in the mouth and all that. And then (laughs) (laughs) and then you indirectly notice what these women do after you're done fooling around with them, and then they get in a relationship, and I feel bad for that guy because I know that she ain't worth a relationship. I know that she has very unreliable characteristics. And maybe if this guy's dumb enough to love her, then I guess it'll work out. Mm-hmm. But for me, I see through it, man. Yeah, I, you know, I see the, I see through all the. Okay, look, let I'll say this. I'm gonna, I'm just come on out and say it. There was a girl that I was talking to. Nothing really uh, came of it, but uh, to make a long story short, I was dealing with this chick. She, you know, had this really Christian, you know, background type thing. She seemed like she was really cool. 
you know, we went out, had dinner and chilled or whatever. Uh, she had a big old booty. That's why I really was interested in her. Um, yeah, big old Christian booty. Big old Christian Mexican booty. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but to make a long story short, what ended up happening is that she just became aloof, right? And I was just like, oh, what happened to this chick, right? And mm-hmm. mind you, like we had like like private situations going on, certain things like conversations would get sexual and stuff and i'm like oh i'm gonna hit this yeah. right but i was still respectful about it. i was very private mm-hmm. she was very private um she's a little i don't want to even give the age gap but she's definitely in her 30s we're around the same age yeah um all of a sudden she pops up on facebook and she's like guess who's pregnant and i'm just like hold on a minute so let me get this right so the whole time that me and you was talking you was out getting dicked down and ended up pregnant yeah, and I'm thinking this, and and I noticed when we whatever we we would be out, she would be like like kind of almost like looking over her shoulder type shit. Mm-hmm. So whoever she was talking to, she was going behind their back. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself like, bruh, it just shows you it's so slim out here with trustworthy people. Yeah, like I would never assume that this would be the type of chick that'd be running around doing this type of shit. Yeah, but. Especially in Bakersfield. Yeah. I went to um, get some dessert with this girl one day. Uh, and Get some peaches, huh? I literally seen like five people I know. I seen my brother. I seen another nigga I know in there. I where, seen- wait, 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 what? Wait, wait, what? It was We were just at like a, a restaurant. And okay. And I seen like five people I know inside of the restaurant. Oh, okay. Like, right. oh, I do. So I can understand like her, yeah. her like anxiety of like right, looking right. over her shoulder. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Bakersfield is like anywhere yeah, you could be at, you'd be, you'll run into somebody you know. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, <laughs> definitely. And whenever you see a girl acting anxious or whatever or doing certain things, you're like, this girl got a pass. I'm not worried about her past. I'm not judging her for that. Yeah. But the fact that she's acting this way to me is a huge turnoff. Mm-hmm. Huge turn off. I had a chick I, that I had over my house and I was about to fuck her. And uh, <laughs> I went to the bathroom and uh, when I came out, like I seen her like uh, flip her phone over real quick and like throw it in her purse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she got a man. Yeah. Like I, at that point, I knew she had a man because she was sneaking around. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, damn, man. Like, and I know nothing was like going to transpire from what we were doing. Mm-hmm. It just shows like being single long enough will reveal so many like things to you that you'll almost be in fear of being in a relationship because yeah. you re- you see how unreliable people are. Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to put this on women, but I'm, we're speaking about this from a male perspective, but there's a people problem in the world with mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. People are pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the relationship. It's the yeah. people. You yeah. Know what I mean, this yeah. is like, how they, uh, you can't, like, similar to the way that we describe, like, stereotypes and stuff like that. Right. Like, you can't really, um, you know, lump everybody in together. But, you know, there's just, like, people in relationships that are terrible people. And they they kind of ruin the the ideal for everyone else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, we just got to, we got to do better, man. Mm-hmm. We got to do better. Until it's then. Really, it's really, um I, I wouldn't call it simple. I, I was listening to Brilliant Brilliant Idiots, uh, their podcast, and they had the the author on there. I can't remember his name right now. Like Ryan 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 Holland, Holland? Ho- the, like the recent dude, yeah. yeah. And he was talking about uh, 
John F. Kennedy and how oh he was my God. to sex and stuff like yes. that. Yes. So I was like, dang, it, it, I was, that's why I was, right now I was going to say it's really simple to not think with your head, but it, it, it's not actually. Like there are people that mm. have these sexual desires and that steers away their mental. Yeah. Uh, Kennedy said if he didn't fuck a different girl all the time, he felt sick. Yeah. That's sad. You need some real help, my guy. You need some help, bro. Yeah. Yeah, these presidents ain't glued together like you think they are. Yeah, and they were saying, like, uh, he was saying it would be uncomfortable for John F. Kennedy to have sex because his back was messed up. Yeah, and he still had sexual desires. doing it. But here's the fucked up thing. They also mentioned that they said that his death was probably tied to fucking too many women because he was fucking women that were boyfriends or wives to people in high positions. Mobs. Mob people and shit. So he was getting off because he had a platform being a president, he could get all the pussy he wanted, but that pussy was connected to a motherfucker that had power too. Yeah. And if you got, hey, if you fuck with the wrong person, they're going to see you, bro. I'm not saying that's what happened. All I'm, and I'm not trying to have no conspiracy theories, but what I am saying is pussy could take you anywhere, bro, you know? Yeah. It's like a like a like a like a Visa card. Hey. Yeah. Mastercard. <laughs> Mastercard, the pussy card. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just crazy to me. I think um, just you know you you realize that people's level of addiction is a little bit different. You know, there's yeah. there's a sudden you certain euphoria that people get from smashing people other than their their wife or yeah. you know their girlfriend or something like that. But you know that's it's a it's a feeling that I feel like a lot of people start chasing, man. So yep. they'd be like Tyreek's mom, Tyreek's mom. Yeah. <laughs> Ty, wait, Tyreek. Yeah, it'd be a dude named it'd be a dude like named Tyreek that you hated in school, and then you grow up and you fuck his mom. Oh, yeah. that'd be crazy. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Mm-hmm. But hey, man, I I don't know if I could do that though. There's a what's there's a movie called uh, not the not the I forget what it's called, but it's basically about a, a kid that uh goes off to college and he ends up smashing his uh. His his uh, classmate's mom, and he was hitting it for like a, hitting it for like a good month or so, and then eventually, like the 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 daughter who he was really supposed to be set up with was like at Berkeley College or something like that. Oh my god! Yeah, and he, he ended up falling in love with her, and you know, yeah, it was a crazy story. It's one of it was a really good movie though. Wow! Sometimes you got to hit the moms though. The moms be looking good. Heck yeah! I be seeing some girls. I be like, man, if this don't work out with you, I'm trying to fuck your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a motherfucker. Nah, uh, switching gears. Fat shaming. All right. Now here's the thing, right? I, I'm in regards to fat shaming. Let me let me try to put some context behind this. If you're just walking around and you see a person that's obese or fat. And you like, you a fat bitch. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, Damn. you're a piece of shit for that. <laughs> right? it, I, I don't think you should walk around doing that. But let's be clear. If you snapping on me, we're cracking jokes, and you snapping, and we snapping on each other, you goddamn right I'm going to call you a fat turd or, mm-hmm. you know, you look like a diabetic or whatever the fuck. I'm going to be snapping on you, bro. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, you're not, um, uh, 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 but what's the word I'm looking for? It's not for? a condition that they like. Right. It's not, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. most of the time it's not a gen- it's a genetic thing in a sense, but it's not something that's like irreversible. Yeah, bro. You're you're not you you're not in a place where you can't get these jokes. I will give you these fucking jokes. Yeah. Period. And that's not fat shaming. That's mm-hmm. me making fun of your fat ass. If you wanna you wanna clown me, you wanna crack jokes on me, then we're gonna be clowning. Mm-hmm. That's how it's gonna work. 
Mm-hmm. If I'm, if let's say I'm doing a comedy bit and I make fun of fat people, that's not fat shaming. I'm doing a comedy bit. If you don't respect my art, that's your problem. But yeah. we live in this fucking uber sensitive society where you say anything about a fat person, you're fat shaming, and this ain't right, this and that. Mm-hmm. I seen an article where there was this this plus size model, right? And she was fucking oh, she was big, dude. She's super big. Yeah. And then she said something like, "Embrace yourself. This is what a real woman looks like." I'm like, "Fuck no." I don't agree with that at all. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, I don't, I'm not saying that a skinny model is what women look like. I'm not saying that a mid-sized woman is what a woman look like. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is do not try to paint this picture of being morbidly obese and saying that it's cool. It's not. It's, yeah. it's scientifically been proven that you know, you're, you're putting all this extra pressure on your heart and all these things. I'm not saying you're not beautiful. In your own way. But what I'm not going to agree with is that you being 350 pounds and only being five foot eight, that's okay. Yeah. Maybe to you. Mm -hmm. But if, okay, what's a, what's a, what's a parallel? Okay. Let's see. I don't know. I don't really know. I, I, it would take me some time to think about it, but I'm not going to try to appropriate something to me that may be extremely odd and make it like it's normal. It's Mm -hmm. really not. Yeah. I think, you know, (laughs) just, Um, there's this word called obesity mm-hmm. um, and it was created for a reason to deem people that are overweight or at a certain weight level for a certain body size to be unhealthy and yeah it's a word for a reason so um, but as far as the the, the the fat shaming thing it's like um, it just kind of goes in line with these uh, politically correct people nowadays yeah. it's like you know it's at the end of the day, it's unhealthy to be that big. You Definitely. know what I mean? So I don't, I don't think, I think promoting um, plus size models is hurting society. It is, but well, I don't think it is. When you look at the plus size models that I've seen, they be sexy as a motherfucker. I'm some talking of those about the big, big, yeah, big, some big. of those don't even be plus size. They just be a little bit thick. They yeah, they be a little bit dick. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they, they could just get, man, they get clapped from the back. <laughs> we could, you know, burn some calories together while I'm hitting you from the back. That could be a, that'd be a, <laughs> burn these calories. That'd be a cool little shirt. It'd be like, clap them cheeks. <laughs> no, nah, but they're, they're like Ashley Graham. Like Ashley Graham to me is extremely sexy. Mm-hmm. To me, like, I, I think I see women like that and it drives me nuts. Like I love women like with, with a little bit of weight on them, but like you so big that you, like, I, you can't even get on top of me. Like, yeah. you gonna hurt every part of my dick and my back that's too big <laughs> that's too big man yeah you know and some people listening with only half of an ear will say well it's too big for you because you're weak and you're this and you're that label me all you want i don't give a fuck you're yeah. not listening yeah. what i'm saying is the fact that being morbidly obese is fucking unhealthy and mm-hmm. you know it yeah okay you know it's unhealthy uh, me, I'm not the picture of health myself. I'm not fat, but I ain't skinny. I ain't in the best shape that I want to be in, but I still work out mm-hmm. because I know I need to keep my weight at a certain a certain place. I know that now I feel like I need to lose. Let's see, before the year, I got I want to get down to 245. Mm-hmm. You know, 240 right in there because I'm like six two and some change. So I, I know that I need to stay aware and and work on myself. So if I could admit that I want to work on myself. Why is it so fucking hard for people, especially some big people, to admit that? Mm-hmm. 
you just you can't just be comfortable with saying I'm 475 pounds and I love myself. You don't fucking love. I thought I don't. If you loved yourself, you wouldn't be 475 fucking pounds. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't be eating, uh, going to hot dog eating contests and having chest pains, and you're only like 28 years old and you fucking 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. You having a food problem. You have a food addiction. Yeah. Right. And probably some uh, traumatic experience. Right. Sure, you know, hiding with food or whatever. You're masking whatever you're going through with food. I'm not trying to sound like fucking uh, Dr. Drew. All I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is that you got to figure it out, man. You know that. You know what I love. This is what proves my point without me even proving it. There have been people that have been 400 pounds, 500 pounds, and they lose a bunch of weight, man. They lose a lot of weight. They bust. One of my favorite shows ever is The Biggest Loser, and the reason why is because I get to watch people who are morbidly obese overcome their obstacles and they lose a shitload of weight and they look fucking amazing Mm -hmm. and i love it i love it because i you get to see people in their and at the beginning of their journey and they kick ass and they do opposite of what they've habitually done Mm -hmm. habitually they've eaten uh a whole dozen eggs for breakfast with a pack of sausage and a pack of soda all day you know what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. And it ain't, it's not good. It's it's just not. But I've, I've watched those people that were big lose the weight and talk about how great they feel, how much more confidence they have, how much better their dating life has got, how much better they can breathe, how much better they can, how they feel in general. So mm-hmm. I don't want to fucking hear somebody that's 350 pounds tell me about how beautiful, how beautiful they are and how, you know, this is how a real woman looks. You need to shut the fuck up. Yes. Period. Mm-hmm. That shit is not fucking healthy. Am I am I saying that I hate you because you're big? Fuck no, I'm not saying all that. All I'm saying is is it's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Pretty much it, man. Get your fat ass in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was listening to an episode of Brilliant Idiots probably over a year ago, and Charlemagne talked about how fat shaming works. Mm-hmm. And I and Charlemagne to me seems like he could be pretty much a dick. When yeah. it comes to fat people, he, he probably be calling them fat bitches and all kinds of shit. Who knows? But he said fat shaming works. There were people that were sending him messages saying, I lost 150 pounds. I lost 75 pounds. I lost 70 pounds. And he said he was just happy for these people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think at the end of the day, everyone's motivated by something different. I think there's some people that are motivated by being positive and telling them, hey, you could do it. Stay on it. Right. And there's other people that that get angry and they get so angry that they their alter ego kicks in and they say i'm gonna lose this fucking weight Mm -hmm. and they do it so everyone's not motivated by the same thing Mm -hmm. i'm not saying you should fat shame anyone you know you shouldn't be walking around you see a fat person and you talking shit yeah but if that fat person start talking shit you better start cracking some fat jokes (laughs) like yeah that's why you ain't seen your dick in five years (laughs) (laughs) you've been needing that foe for four haven't you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you go to McDonald's and supersize everything. <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah. All right, man. Switching gears. What have me and Keith learned from doing this podcast every week? And I'll start first. What I've learned from doing this podcast every week for now, 80 weeks, is the fact that I've learned. It hasn't a, been 80 weeks. It, after this podcast, it will be. That's what I said. No. 
we oh, have it has, episodes. But. Yeah, I know you keep correcting me, yeah. but I get it. Yeah. We we release some podcasts uh, two times in a week mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, but in regards to the weeks they were released, we did some. We did two in one week a couple times, but yeah, seventy eight like weeks. weeks. Like seventy eight fucking weeks. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Before I was really interrupted by you. <laughs> what I've learned is that in a lot of ways. I was full of shit. And what I mean by that is, is a lot of the way that I thought about things was not, um, it, I did, I wasn't using a complete thought. And when I, when I took on the responsibility of having a podcast and was bouncing ideas off Keith, I realized there were certain times I needed to, to, you know, sit back and understand I didn't know enough about something. There were a lot of times where I had to realize that, you know, it's okay to be transparent. Don't hold back. I, I got to, a message from my best friend of over 20 years after our first podcast. And he said, Hey man, y'all not, y'all not being yourselves enough. Like y'all, y'all got to come harder than that. And when he said that, that's when I just, just went, just flew off the handle and it had to be completely transparent. So I started busting out all the pussy juice, all the pussy juice jokes, like the shit that me and Keith talk about off the, well, not even off the podcast, but just in everyday podcast material. Huh? So I don't be talking about pussy juice on the regular. I don't know. Sometimes we have conversations, and you mentioned about the quality, of, <laughs> the quality of the pussy juice you had that week. <laughs> uh, yeah, comedy. but these are things we brought to the podcast. We we bring as much of the raw um, personality that we have mm-hmm. every week to this podcast. So I've learned to be more transparent. I've also uh, learned to not give my opinion on certain things, like I mentioned that I don't know enough about. Like if I ever if I ever mention something about I don't know uh, if we let's say we talk about some gay or trans or whatever if I don't know enough about it I'm not gonna speak on it like that mm-hmm. just because I don't know like I mentioned something about trans a while back I gave as much context as I could give and also stated what I did not know enough about yeah. and then I fucking moved on mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be up here like uh, fucking Alex Jones and shit you know what I'm saying yeah <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. be up here doing that but uh. That's just a few of the things I've learned. Um, I've also learned to, um, how do you say? Hmm. Let me go to Keith and I'll just come back to myself. The thing that I, I've learned, I think, is uh, I think I've matured as a, uh, a person. Just, you know, just kind of sitting in my thoughts. Yeah. Um, just, you know, we, we kind of discuss a lot of the things or the transformations that we go through. Definitely. Um, and like one of the more recent ones I talked about, just the power of saying no. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. How, you know, how I told the guy that was a, uh, you know, aspiring photographer or whatever he was. I, I told him that I couldn't help him. Um, and that sort of thing. Because, you know, beforehand, even, you know, more recently after I graduated college, I was saying yes to pretty much any and everything. Um, so you kind of you know, that, that habit is ingrained in you. So, you know, any and every opportunity that comes by, it's like, yo, can you, can you help me, help me with this? Can you film this? Can you, you know, read my scripts, all kind of stuff like that. Um, and you know, just, just, um, being mature enough to, to say no to certain things. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's such a huge relief to me in my personal life to where I don't have to be, um, overloading myself with yeah. you know stuff that I'm not even passionate about. So right. um, you know that's one of the ones, and you know just just communicating um, and having the ability to c- 
communicate um, in a conversational format also while, you know, retaining information. Like sometimes we talk about, uh, you know, or, you know, in my case, I you, you want to let someone get out their complete thought. So you have to exercise your memory a little bit. Yes, like, yo, you I do. Have a, I have a point I want to make, but I'm going to wait till they're finished. Definitely. So I'm, and I'm, I'm attentively listening and I'm also like, holding on to the thought that I want to speak about when they are finished listening. So definitely just stuff like that is, you know, is so super dope. You know what? Podcasting is really a skill. Uh, And the reason why is because like you, you mentioned having a thought, Mm -hmm. um, retaining that thought and, and, and displaying it in such a way to respond correctly to what people were talking about, because Mm -hmm. you can half listen by accident. Meaning yeah. if you're half listening, you only got some of what the person said because you were listening to speak. You weren't listening to listen and come with a complete thought as a response. Yeah. So it's it's important. People listen to us on a podcast and like, oh, man, I could do a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't do it. OK, I'm not going to. I'm I'm the one that will encourage you. However, don't get up here thinking that this shit is going to be as easy as you mm-hmm. fucking think. Mm-hmm. Don't think you're going to get up there and get 500 listens on your first episode. Yeah. OK. Um, I also learned while doing this podcast that you go through a lot of ups and downs. Um, There's times where, you know, when we first started, we're not getting a lot of listens. People weren't diving in as much Mm -hmm. and you kind of, it's not so much you get discouraged, but you second, you have a second thoughts about what you're doing. So in podcasting, only the strong will survive. Yeah. Me and Keith are not celebrities in any way. I'm a fucking truck driver. Okay. I don't, I don't have a platform. I don't work for the radio. You know what I'm saying? I'm not some cool guy. I'm none of that. So for me to for people to really dig into the podcast, it shows me that people really give a fuck about what we're talking about. Yeah. And that feels amazing. That's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, it was really slow, you know, but it, we had sometimes I think about like, man, like if it, if I was doing this podcast five years ago, I would have quit. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been built for it. Yeah. I really wouldn't have been built for it. I think that I would have seen that, treated it as a hobby, and I would have quit. But this is this I'm adopting this as a way of life. Mm-hmm. When you go 78 weeks of doing something and not taking any breaks doing it, and you just keep beating people over the head with it every week, you know what's crazy? It's like you you go you go into a time frame where you're doing the podcast and then everybody's just like most people just kind of glance over it. They glance over it for like over 30 something weeks. Mm-hmm. And then some people are like, hey, I listen finally. I like it. And I'm like, I appreciate you. And then all of a sudden you start to see more people jump on the on the tribe, on, on the movement. And you're like, oh, man, I appreciate you. Then it gets to the point where people sharing your stuff, people saying, hey, man, oh, man, that was dope. I loved it. Uh, my friends listen to it. Mm-hmm. Then you got people all over the country hitting you up about it. And you're just like, what the fuck? But that's more of an incentive not to give up. Yeah. You like girls sending you titty pics in your DM. Bruh. You know how, man. Hey, you know what? This is completely off topic. This is completely off topic. What I'm about to say, this is kind of a tangent, but I seen there was a statistic about women not rece- like um, achieving orgasms during sex. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and then they said like only a small percentage of women um, uh, achieve an orgasm through penetration. So we out here smashing and like they not having orgasms, bro. Yeah. You know what? We got to start eating more pussy, man. Yeah. We got to, man. Fellas, man, we got to step up, man. Yeah. We got to, we need a um a national seminar. Yeah. P- pussy eating seminar. 
<laughs> oh man yeah yeah but nah um yeah, that yeah, that's interesting though you know yeah like uh you know for so many years we've been doing it wrong yeah man we be thinking we tearing that ass up mm-hmm. girls moaning and stuff it's not like they don't like they it's like they it's not like they don't like the penetration but it doesn't it's not it's not doing everything only yeah. so many women will actually achieve pleasure from doing that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm not making like I'm the love doctor by any means. I'm sure I've had sex with many women that did not come. But all I'm saying... <laughs> <laughs> came to the house and didn't come. Came to the house. <laughs> and I thought I was blowing that back out. And then mm-hmm. they was like, that was good. But like, you know, I didn't get... I didn't finish. Yeah. You're like, what do I have to do? I put out all my tricks. I put out all my Sometimes tricks. Sometimes it's their fault, though. Yeah. It's not always our fault. That's true. They come in there like, I just want the dick. It's like, right. Yeah, and then be like, some if if a girl don't know how to get herself off, then it's like, you know, it's, I'm I'm not even inside your body or anything. Like, I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Now nah, you actually are inside of her body. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, shit. It's been a it's been one hell of a journey. And uh, my long term of uh, my long term objective in this podcast is to become like, I don't know, almost like a city, uh, a city ambassador, not like, uh, you know, like a mayor or nothing, but just mm-hmm. a guy that loves this city that puts out content and represents the best side of the city. Yeah. You know, um, having powerful conversations from people within the community that are doing great things that people tend to glot like glot, glance over. Mm-hmm. You know, we had my sister on, you had Nate on, you had Todd on, you had fucking uh, Joe Maynard on, you had mm-hmm. Caesar on, you had all these different awesome guests, and every single one of them was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyra and Daz and and it's it's been unreal. Because all these people have done an amazing job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, and I'm just so blessed to have these conversations every week. Now, you know what I've also learned? I've learned to um, retain some of my opinion on social media. I don't really, I'm not as um, opinionated. Mm-hmm. I, I just display that on here. Yeah. So I used to be saying or ranting more on Instagram or say something on Facebook, but I kind of reserve that. Having a mm-hmm. podcast gives you, it gives you the um, platform to express yourself. You know, but, one opinion that I uh, was literally just getting ready to type out and looking for a way to say it, but mm-hmm. I just deleted it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that a lot. Like if something is taking too much, like if there's too much thought into it to where I have to be like, okay, I don't want to offend anyone, but I also right. want to make a point. Um, I was going to talk about like people like their with their relationships like mm-hmm. the way that they present their relationships mm-hmm. like a girl could be single for 20 years and you know just living her life and you know doing everything normal and then all of a sudden she get a boyfriend and she every single post is about him oh he's my in every God. post he's spending a night she yeah. taking like snaps of him when he sleeps it's ridiculous i'd be like yo y'all relationships trash like you gotta post everything that's so lame it's ridiculous i think it's awesome first of all like me and keith are not crushing relationships or feelings i think it's awesome to have feelings Mm -hmm. i think we all have feelings we all have emotions and i would not mind being in a relationship i think relationships are great i think marriage is great Mm -hmm. 
but a lot of you motherfuckers are annoying. <laughs> you get in a relationship and then every post is about this person. Yeah. You don't have, you must not have a purpose in life. When My purpose is so strong with this podcast and wanting to grow in my own personal life and in my business and everything else that I'm not going to be infatuated with a woman. I can love her but I'm not infatuated with her and I'm not infatuated with the idea of the percept, like the perception behind the relationship. Like, Hey everybody, I'm happy. Look at me. I'm happy. I'm putting fries in my partner's mouth. Yeah. I know a girl, she, people be lying to, I know a girl, it was maybe two years ago. mm -hmm. She didn't even have a, she wasn't really a social media person. Like she wasn't on Snapchat or anything. Yeah. And then eventually she made one. She was like, yeah, my, uh, my cousin convinced me to make one so I could, you know, be more in touch with people. And she has to like remind, and she's like, my cousin has to remind me when to post and stuff like that. And then eventually I started seeing her post more and more, Mm -hmm. you know, just different pictures out Mm -hmm. her, you know, getting dressed for work and stuff. And then eventually it came, became a routine where she wakes up in the morning and she, you know, she snaps her herself on her way to work. Oh God. snaps her dog around her apartment and then all of a sudden she gets into a relationship with this guy and every single day it's another picture with her and her boyfriend and um ironically they look like they could be like siblings oh (laughs) that's a whole another story oh (laughs) they fucking the family tree (laughs) (laughs) they be having sex brother 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 (laughs) those twisted pornos yeah yeah. Like, oh, you got to stop. But, but, but my dad, but, <laughs> but my mom, don't. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, too, if I'm in a relationship with a chick and she wants to keep taking pictures, I'm like, hey, you need to fucking calm down. Okay? Yeah. I'm not. I, the, the, you treat me like paparazzi. You need to fucking stop. Yeah. Like, I care. Like, the way I feel about you. You treat me like paparazzi. Yeah, I you treat me like that. fucking paparazzi, man. <laughs> I'm not, this is not, I'm not a celebrity and yeah. this is not TMZ. Yeah, I'm not Kanye West. Leave the <laughs> fuck alone. Yeah, but it, it, here's the thing. If I care about, uh, you know, my girlfriend, whatever the case, I'm, I'm into showing people that I care. I'm into, yeah, to, you know, to picking you up for lunch and hanging out and spending quality time with you and things with like your that. Your phone's down. My phone is off in my pocket on airplane mode, whatever. I'm enjoying that moment. Mm hmm. I'm not thinking about taking all these pictures. We could take pictures, like let's say we go to the beach or something. You know, we're hanging out, we're vibing. Yeah, like it's okay for people to know that you have someone. That's great. Yeah, but every time we eat spaghetti, do you got to suck the goddamn spaghetti out my mouth like it's fucking yeah. uh, a a Disney movie? <laughs> what the fuck? That's the most romantic movie ever. Yeah, like what's uh, what's he said, Lady in the Tramp? Yeah. Eating that goddamn spaghetti out of my mouth. Let, <laughs> let me eat my spaghetti by myself. <laughs> that was funny. That, yeah. yeah, that's true, man. I think uh, people definitely be overdoing it. I know people that are, you know, married and, you know, got kids and stuff together and they don't be posting as often as someone that recently got a boyfriend two weeks ago. Right. Be, and, then, and then it'd be girl. I know a girl. She'd be talking in codes like... I just love being around him. I can't wait till he gets home. And it's like, shut up. Like, what are you talking the, about? You have to let the world know that you have someone. And then they be so secretive. Like, yeah. uh, what's that um, Boy Meets World where you never see the guys? Uh, yeah. Is that Boy Meets they, World? They, or it, no, no, no. It, home it, Improvement? No, no. It's it's both. Oh, wait, okay. no, 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 no. 
It's home improvement. Home improvement. The dude over the fucking yeah, fence. Yeah, you never see us. That's how they be posting their boyfriends too. Like, yeah. from the neck down. I'd be like, yo, yeah. if you don't get your ass they, out of they, here, they show them holding hands. They'd be like, uh, and it, and it's like they post about it like in a boastful way. Yeah, like uh, uh, everything that is don't need to be seen or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, like shut the fuck show. up. I think hopeless that, romantic ass. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> I think people have adopted too many characteristics of celebrities who actually are in relationships like yeah. they'll like i've seen girls taking all these selfies with their tongue out their mouth acting like cardi b like that's yeah. the new thing yeah. like let, okay first of all let's be clear that works for cardi b because she's cardi b okay yeah but she's also married mm-hmm. all right so mm-hmm. it, you want to reenact all that and then they'd be like hot girl summer tongue all out their mouth like get out of here yeah no <laughs> There'd be a lot of nonsense going There's on. There's so much, yeah. so much crap, and man. you can't really say it on Instagram or uh, Twitter nah, or it, Facebook because you'll be a hater for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ain't yeah. nobody hating on you. And the crazy thing about it, if you say anything contrary to uh, completely ass sucking these people, mm-hmm. they'll be like, "Oh, you hating? Mm-hmm. What am I hating on? Like, I'm not hating on you. I just hate you." Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not hating on you. Have you paid attention to yourself? <laughs> like, the, like I'm not making it like I'm just the shit, but I do believe my quality of life is much better than yours. Yeah. Like, you're not doing shit. What the fuck do I, what am yeah. I hating on? And your nigga ain't doing nothing either. Right. And, like, honestly, like, you go back with that whack nigga you got, but I would straight fuck the, your brains out. So. <laughs> and I have before. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. But mm-hmm. uh we talked about we were talking about what we learned from the podcast. We went <laughs> off on a fucking tangent. But hey that man, went, it went we just way had a low key rant. Yeah, it went way left. But it's it's cool, man. I think we've learned the fact that uh more and more that we loved our city. That's one of the number one things that I took from it. You know, I know oh, yeah, ba- yeah. Bakersfield ain't what Bakersfield ain't what everybody mm-hmm. uh wants it to be. But I think that, you know, br- you know, with this podcast and the power of putting people on it, you know. Uh, you start to see more and more what what people are doing what in this city. Yeah. Um, you, you know what? You know it's interesting trying mm-hmm. to to piggyback off that. Uh-huh. It um, it it almost help you order your life also. Definitely. You know, in a sense to where like sometimes like people say like hey you know we we got this on like just earlier today um, a friend of mine had a like a little birthday uh, like kickback or whatever and and I went to it but I was like yo I can only stay for like two hours because I have a podcast to do. So it's like it, it helps you order and, you know, like uh, map out your life because I know every Sunday we record on Sunday nights. I know every Sunday I have to record the podcast. Yeah. And if I'm going to miss a day for whatever reason, we got to plan something ahead of time to exactly. where um, we could still get the content out on, on Monday morning. So, yeah. 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 You know, another thing I learned, too, is like the consistency, the, yeah, fre- the, the frequency in which we've released. I think I'm going to be honest. I think me and Keith primarily, not only are we passionate about it, but being as if you're trying to make it in podcasting and you realize how oversaturated the podcasting like market is, how are you going to make it if you're taking breaks? Yeah. Like we realize that we want to continuously engage our listeners. And there's some listeners that hit me up like, yo, I'm I'm trying to catch up, man. I haven't listened to... I'm like, dude, chill out, dude. Take your time. Mm -hmm. I kind of like people being behind on purpose. We put out Mm -hmm. so much content that you're trying to catch up. You just like it from behind. That's why you said that. Like I said, I I think that... (laughs) 
<laughs> I like the fact that custom, like not customers, that the listeners <laughs> are behind and they're trying to catch up, listening to the podcast. But we release that much content. We yeah. have a catalog. Now, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the great thing. Yeah, definitely that consistency is the most important thing that I think uh, that I've learned from this. Like, definitely, you know, just realizing like, yo, if we we've grown grown from you know maybe getting twelve listens the first episode to episodes getting over 200 and you know 50 well, 50 listens uh sometimes almost so, 300 yeah exactly and almost you know dang near about to hit 10,000 listens overall yeah that's so ridiculous. just seeing um you know how you can go from 12 to 10,000 just knowing that like yo if i'm this consistent with everything that i'm doing in my life like where would i be right um and we're and doing everything this, else you know, a little bit over a year now yeah so yeah. it's like you know where would i be in my my film career where would i be in my screenwriting career right. where would i be in music where would i be in you know drawing or whatever whatever the 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 subject matter is um and you you know you as listeners also like what how successful would you be if you consistently did something um routinely every day every week what whatever the case may be um and you know who knows what what the ceiling would be for you, you yeah know, you even know. something you're you you may just have a, a a natural talent at um who knows where you'd be if you just consistently did that for a year you know and yeah. just measure yourself i like i like looking at different like pro- progress videos like there's a lot of different artists um, I'll run across their YouTube video sometimes and it's like the day one um, when they first started in the mm-hmm. draw or something like that and they drew a little small stick figure or a dog that doesn't really mm-hmm. look like a dog but they drew every single day for 365 days it's crazy. and then on the 365th day they're drawing these amazing yeah. pictures you're like yo like, bro you know. I think one of the best illustrations of that has to be uh, Joe Rogan yeah. and I say that because <clears throat> um you look at his old con I'm talking about old content. The pic the video looks grainy. Mm-hmm. The audio is fucked. Yeah. It ain't all that. And I'm sure when Joe Rogan first started, even though he had been doing comedy, he wasn't Joe Rogan yet. Mm-hmm. So it was people he'd be like, Hey man, you should come to check out my podcast. Come on down, man. Let's talk. And they'd be like, oh, All right. And then they never came to his yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that people didn't take him seriously. I'm sure that uh, there was people that were like, uh, you know, seeing the production was just like, uh, it's just a guy trying to do whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then the podcast grew and then it got now, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it came the biggest fucking podcast in the world. Yeah. Right. Second to none. Second to none. Fucking Joe Rogan. And it started out looking like shit. Yeah. I, to me, I, uh, you know, this is kind of talking about my personal self, but. I use those instances as motivation. A hundred percent. Every time somebody we try to get on a podcast, right? They say, you know, they give us a curveball or whatever. Every time, me, DJ, and Chris, we try to do a movie with somebody, and you know, they don't respond or they say they'll do it, and then they just kind of ghost us. I use that as motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, when we actually okay. have a movie in the theaters, mm-hmm. you're going to regret that. When our podcast is, you know, all over the world, all over YouTube. Um, you know, we're getting, you know, sponsored by Revolt or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. uh, platform, like you're going to regret not wanting to be on there. And by that time, it's going to be too late. Like, yeah. you know, my my phone number might be different. Yep. You know what I mean? So, yeah. My value is too high. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to be too high. You so know, I keep that stuff in the back. It, it's kind of like that 
that Michael Jordan mentality yeah. where he starts to even create scenarios where you disrespected him or where you talked down on him. And then yep. he uses that every time he plays you and he's going to drop 50 on your head every yep. time just because you, you know, you said something crazy to him. I'm be so. thinking about everything. I'm be thinking all the girls that curved me didn't want to give me no pussy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to come back and fuck the shit out of them. <laughs> and then they're gonna ask to be on a podcast and i'm gonna say nope yeah they're gonna be like oh i am be like oh you didn't want me then but you want me now huh <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> that'd be it that's a, that's a, a real thing i think uh yeah you know more so you know uh with with male success stories yeah um males tend to look more attractive when they're doing and moving in the space. Definitely. You know what I mean? I see, oh, man. Yeah. You're, you're 100% right. Yeah. I've seen it. i seen And I'm not trying to judge another man's looks. Don't get me wrong. But I think we all have a kind of a radar of what, you know, uh, people are more attractive looking or probably not. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, and I've seen a, uh, a post with Post Malone. And he's got tattoos all on his face. He's just like a wild-looking white dude, right? Yeah. And uh, some girl posted like, oh, my God, I love you so much. You're so handsome or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then other girls are putting hearts and yeah. and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, if you seen this motherfucker in public and he wasn't Post Malone and he was just some white guy named Kyle, would you fucking yeah. <laughs> would you really say the same thing? Yeah. Probably not. Very but true. the success will make you look better. Mm. But hey, it is what it is, Jay-Z man. Jay-Z says something like, there's no such thing as an ugly billionaire. I'm cute. So. Yeah, yeah. I, and people say like, uh, Jay-Z ugly, uh. How could Beyonce, first of all, Beyonce is attracted to the power of this man. I don't know if it's his looks and maybe she might like him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People don't consider that, you know. Yeah, people, everyone's taste is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, shit. You know, mm-hmm. Beyonce might like camels. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is a thing where, like, at a certain point, um, the attractiveness is like third on the list of definitely when, when it comes. You know, so she yeah. may have met him, and he's extremely intelligent. You yeah. have a great conversation, and she just madly fell in love with him. It's like, yo, B. <laughs> <laughs> Rockefeller Records. <laughs> yeah, man. That's all I got. Yeah. That's pretty much it. You want to roll that Don't last talk, one? Yeah, we can talk about it. All right, man. Uh, switching gears. Uh, toxic behaviors from different religions. Th- this came up because of a scenario Keith had. Yeah. Um, I'll be able to chime in a little bit. I'm not very privy to all the religions, but I do know there's a lot of fuck shit going on. <laughs> but uh, Keith, can you go ahead and tell your story? So I was talking to this uh one of my friends one day and she was she was telling me about we were just texting and she was telling me about this uh i forgot what it was she was it was like a random text uh, something along the lines of like yo i want some chicken right now i was like what the heck like why would you tell me this and then she was like well like in our household we can't really eat any sort of like meats or chicken or anything like that because uh and i was like and I was like, why? Like, I was like, well, I know you kind of dabbled into like the vegetarian thing. Is I was like, is that the reason? And she was like, well, no. She was like, uh, my sister's boyfriend is like a black Hebrew. And uh, I guess they can't eat meat or something along the lines. I was like, what the heck? That's kind of wild. And, he, and she was like, yeah. And he's really, uh, he's extremely racist as well. And I was like, what? Are you serious? And I was like, you guys are, and she, this girl is biracial. Um 
So I was like, that's crazy. Like, how could he be, you know, racist or, you know, saying any sort of like racially insensitive things when the your sister's mother is white and yeah. your sister's mother be at the house sometimes. So um, that just kind of got me to thinking like, yo, a, a lot of these religions and a lot of these, uh, you know, whatever people tend to follow or whatever they gravitate gravitate towards um, that makes them feel full inside or whatever. I don't know why people, you know, gravitate towards certain religions or, uh, you know, groups or cults or whatever you would call it. But um, a lot of it is extremely toxic and it's extremely, um, I don't know how you would say it, but it's it's just insensitive towards the people around you. You know, we live in America and, you know, the cultural melting pot and we're supposed to live in a space where everybody can get along. Like I mentioned a while back, um, there was this, this the Super Bowl commercial, which was like, you know, the epitome of 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 America to where it was a Jewish guy that got in a car with a Catholic guy and a, a, yeah. and a Muslim guy. And they all like, you know, basically went to a Super Bowl party. Um, it was a car commercial and they all, you know, hopped in the same truck or whatever. And they went to the Super Bowl party. But that's how life should be. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if 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 a person is a uh, you know a Buddhist or you know a person is yeah w- whatever whatever the case may be. Like we should all be able to recognize that we of course love our religion and we uphold the ideals of our religion. But in no way, shape, or form should we we use our religion or whatever our beliefs are to disrespect anybody Definitely. or any race or you know any belief of any any other person exactly so that's kind of where i stand with it yeah and just because someone's asian doesn't mean they can't drive you know what i mean yeah <laughs> no, no. <laughs> i do okay <laughs> what you say to me <laughs> yeah man but no back piggyback what he was saying uh, the, the whole black hebrew shit um it don't make to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like they'd be just going off on rants. Like it'll be. I remember I seen a video where it was like, "You a black man? Uh, you a black man dating a white woman? Why are you dating the devil for a brother? You need a, a black woman is God. You dating this, this devil got some good pussy. <laughs> <laughs> you dating these white devils out here, young man? What is you doing? And you'd be like, bro. Me and Keith got approached by these uh, uh, black Hebrews one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked me, like, do you know what you are, man? Do you, you know what you are, brother? And I was like, uh, I'm black. Like, no, brother. No, you're not. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? Then they, they start like, pulling out Bible They start pulling out all, all these Bible scriptures. They said, yeah. you, you're Israelite. You are not, you are not uh, a, a black man. Yeah. That's not what you are. Let me explain something to you, brother. I'm just like, fuck, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to go home. Uh, yeah, I've been up here playing basketball. Man, we, they, they talked to us <laughs> for like almost an hour. No, probably like. 35 minutes i was trying yeah. to go home yeah yeah man it, like, it just it gets eh. sometimes um i'm a really i'm not really a, like a religious person but i'm more so like a uh, relationship based you know as far as like reading the bible and praying right. and stuff like that right sometimes religions get extremely annoying man. yeah it's bad like, it's just so much um you know it reminds me a lot of uh fans of certain teams you know what i mean like raider fans or yeah, cowboy fans especially or raider like fans yeah when they just get extremely uh get aggressive and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they just get aggressive in certain instances where they shouldn't be you know what i mean like 
no matter what another person believes or who they think is God or whatever, I don't think you should be disrespecting anyone. Like there, sometimes there would be people that would come to our um, our campus when I was at New Mexico State and be like basically bashing any and everyone that walked by that wasn't walking uh, biblically, right? So it'd be like a gay couple walking by. I'm like, you're going to hell. You need to stop holding hands and you're gay. And, you know, this abomination to, you know, to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is frowning on you right now. And then there'll be, you know, a girl walking by with a shirt, short skirt on or skimpy, skimpy uh, shorts on or something like that. And, you know, bash and saying the most outlandish things. And uh, it would just cause, you know, confrontation. And it... (laughs) Sometimes it was kind of like crazy, you know, just just seeing it and, you know, people would go back and forth with them. And but uh, it's just crazy that, you know, people, you know, a lot of the stuff that is preached in the Bible um, is about being nice, being a good person and, you know, just having a, a moral high ground. And then it's crazy how someone can twist those words and twist those beliefs into thinking that it's okay to call gay people out of their name or it's okay to, you know, say crazy things about a person that's only wearing, you know, a yoga pants or, you know, and stuff like that. And like, you know, saying someone that's fornicating is going to hell and all Stupid. kind of just like you just yelling out all this crazy yeah. stuff. And yeah. it just sucks that, you know, you can believe or be associated with someone that, says these you know sort of toxic things the biggest contradiction to me is people that talk about others but they're not walking in the same they're not walking in the right walk with the bible like they're not on living on par with the bible it says no fornication but you know you're you're having premarital sex you out here fucking but you want to chastise a gay person yeah like you're not in the right you're not in the perfect uh, walk with the Bible in the first place, and I get tired of people that do that shit. Mm-hmm. Like you know, at first, at first, it seemed like it made sense for people to talk bad about gay people or whatever. But then it's just like, hold yeah. on a minute, bro. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, how yeah, many yeah. babies' mamas do you got, motherfucker? Like, yeah. why are you worried about somebody being gay? You need to worry about controlling your dick. Yeah, and and, and pay your child support. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just weird yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even like there's, you know, super religious. <clears throat> I've went through it with my family where. My cousin was getting married um, and he's gay and some people that got invited didn't want to go because yeah. they didn't feel like they religiously that they could support a, you know, a gay marriage. Yeah, and I bet you them same people was having premarital sex. Mm-hmm. And them same people was doing things that that's, that's contrary to the Bible. But you know what I'm saying? And it's not to, to judge them. It's just to say like, yo, we got to keep that same energy. Yeah. You want to put that shit out. You got to keep the same energy. Another thing that trips me out too, just like in general, like like there there are inadequacies in the Bible. I'm not gonna get into much depth, but it's just like being a liberal or conservative. Like at one time, I considered myself. This is why I don't consider myself shit. I consider myself Democrat for the longest, and I'm not conservative, but I'm not completely liberal. Like I don't agree with everything liberals say. Mm-hmm. There's some certain things I feel more conservatively about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't completely just run with this idea and buy all of it is what I'm saying. Yeah. So when people do that with religion, it's just, it just bugs me out. Mm-hmm. It's like, and this one girl was like, uh, I seen this one girl that said, I'm not having sex until I'm married. But, and she was like 30 something. And I'm thinking like, look, 
You're pretty attractive. But if you don't start giving that pussy up, ain't no way you get married. <laughs> because the average man, it don't make you a bad man for wanting pussy. We all fuck. Okay. Yeah. So if you get with the chick, she's great, but she's not having sex, you should break up with her. I'm not going to stay with no chick that's not fucking me. <laughs> fuck that. Mm-hmm. They say, well, if it's a good woman, you should stay by her side. Nah, no. Nah. She needs to find a man that's on par with her. Because if I like you, then sex should be, sex is not going to determine whether I'm leaving or staying, but I want some pussy shit. <laughs> but she, there she, you know, she was trying to be a holy roller. I'm not going to have sex because uh, you should not give a man that before. It's just like, come on, man. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't got nothing to say about that. But if uh, you, look, if you hear this podcast, give that pussy up, okay? <laughs> Stop fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I laid a loud ass fart. I don't know if y'all heard that. <laughs> Dude, you got a nasty booty. That man. nigga laid out a Donald Duck quack. We, we got to stop fart shaming people, man. We all do it. Yeah. We all do it, man. Yeah, we had that topic already. Yeah, we had that, man. But this is America. We like talking about niggas that fart. Yeah, that- <laughs> <laughs> this is America. <laughs> Y'all niggas farting up. <laughs> Yo guys are slipping up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, man, I, I don't got much else. Yeah. I think we I think, hit everything on the head. Let me think check we gave them enough. How much? How much? How long we? Uh, where were we at? My notes real quick. That's uh two hours and twenty minutes. God damn, mm-hmm. we gave y'all two hours and twenty minutes for free. Mm-hmm. When are some of you got? When are some of you ladies gonna start having sexual relations? But, um, anyways, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> this is about getting crazy. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. We do. Right. We have some listeners that look fairly attractive. I see some of you guys do the timeline, and I'm not. I'm not commenting or saying anything, but I'm thinking like, you know what? She's cool. I appreciate her listening to the podcast, but I would definitely have sexual relations <laughs> with uh, that. I woman. didn't have sexual relations with that young woman. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. In fact, I fucked her whole family. <laughs> Her mom, I did her mom doggy style. <laughs> I did her cousin missionary. <laughs> and then I did her grandma from behind too. <laughs> Bill, Bill was Clinton, Bill, Bill Clinton was might be another one of those like sex addicts. Yeah, Bill would be like, if I can't have sex with them, then I'm gonna be sick. It's so crazy how controlling sex has over our yeah. society. So much so like where someone would actually rape a woman just That's to have sex. Crazy. With or they would potentially ruin you know, a whole presidential yeah. campaign because Pussy. you want to have sex with this girl. That's, that's just sad. Yeah, yeah, fellas, you gotta you gotta control yourself, man. Yeah, you just gotta go jack off, man. You be straight. Do something, man. Do something. Beat your meat. Uh, yeah, you know, pick up a Bible. Beat your meat. Uh, beat your meat I while holding. Not. Beat your meat while holding the Bible. I don't oh know. My God, that's not no, no. <laughs> I don't know, man. Please don't beat your meat while holding the Bible. Hey, I forgot what it was. Uh, Charlemagne had cracked a joke about that. He said something like, uh, he said something like, he said one time he was crying while he, he was jacking off or something. He said, yeah, it was a real tearjerker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That was good stuff. All right, man. Well, I think we uh, gave our listeners enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate you for making it to the end of episode 80. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Trucker Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. Your boy K. Thanks. Yeah, we're out of here. Peace.